Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we're back with another patch show of football chat. We'll be talking Whitecaps. We'll be talking Vancouver FC. We'll be talking the weird, wacky world of MLS and some stuff that's come out this week. A few other things thrown in as well. We've got an interview with Vancouver FC's star player that joined them mid-season. Well, one of the star players, Renon Garcia, the old man of the CPL. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I heard MLS got a bigger napkin this week yeah i i think they've kind of needed to bring in some kind of mathematics experts to kind of work out some of the stuff that that's going on there well, oh, that, so the bigger the bigger napkins in addition to the, a significant the, num, numpty move yes we're, we're going to get into to mls chat in in part two we'll We'll talk a little bit MLS in this part in Whitecaps as well. But before we get into any of the football chat, Zach, as always, we will start off by asking you, how was your week? Yeah, it was a good week. Uh, very full at work, uh, yet very, very meaningful. Um, yeah, feel, feel blessed. I was going to ask you. Yeah. You must make a lot of money from your job because you go to the cinema a lot. And... I was going to go and see Wonka on Friday. Yeah. And our nearest cinema, it's at Brentwood Mall. So it's a Cineplex VIP. Oh, yeah. Which I think, from looking at it, stands for very inflated prices. Because it was $26 a ticket for Caitlin and me if we wanted to go and see Wonka. Um, Have you been in those VIP theaters? I I think it might have been a VIP theatre that I went to see Next Goal Wins at. Oh, right. Because this one has a reclining seat, and the one I was at to see Next Goal Wins had a re- reclining seat. But obviously, but that was not, a free ticket, so I didn't have to not, pay for that. It's not the reclining seat, it's the space that you have. Well, it says full reclining seat, so I don't know. I, I no, guess okay. you, you want a full reclining one if you're in the back row. But Maybe the uh, maybe they have different type of VIP. The VIP out mm, in Abbotsford is like... It's very luxurious seating, mm-hmm. very big spacing, and you can, they come in pairs, so if you're like on a date or whatever, you can almost like 
Uh, I think you can move the thing down so you can cuddle up, but like not in like in the normal theater, like it's bigger. Anyways, it's more comfortable. Plus there's uh, like in theater um, pre-film um, uh, waiter service for the food and beverages and stuff. And there's alcohol. Yeah, VIP. this has this as well. Also, this one's a 19 plus, which appeals. Yeah, well, the, so, yeah, I mean, that, that does appeal. Yeah, I don't, like, I, don't, I don't go to the... I mean, when I go to the movies, Michael, uh, typically it's on a Tuesday. Yeah. But it's cheaper. And if it's... Uh, the, the only time it's usually not on a Tuesday is when I'm going to like a, either like a, an MCU film or a film that we really want... Or Indiana Jones this year we went... You know, we go with the Thursday night opening night, usually IMAX... But for those, we're also like saving up scene points, or we have yeah. passes, or I mean, um, yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a good friend who I think listens to the show, or at least sometimes listens to the show, who works for Cineplex. Who <laughs> the, earlier this year just said, "What's your mailing address?" And I was just like, "Why do you want my?" <laughs> and just sent me some Cineplex passes. Um, so oh, next week, if they're a big fan of the show, two passes for Wonka, please. That would do very nicely. I think my wife and I on the the Tuesday after, no, the twenty. I think we're going the twenty. I think it's the Wednesday we're going. We're going to go for dinner and a movie, just the, the two of us for a date oh, night. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, the the thing was like I, I knew I know that Tuesdays is the cheaper night. So we had a look as well on Tuesday, and it was even in the VIP one, the reduced one because uh, at Metro Town, it's like nine bucks or nine fifty on the Tuesday. Still sixteen bucks at this VIP cinema for the reduced Tuesday one. Yeah, see, I usually go Tuesday and I pay between I don't know seven fifty and nine bucks or something. In the summer, when I when I yeah when I, I'm free on Tuesdays. I mean, oh, I this, summer, this summer I might be busy on Tuesdays. I don't know. I, I've waited this long, so I I can wait till it comes on streaming, or I'll I'll probably just buy the DVD. Oh, I just I, saw, I still like to buy my physical but, media. Barbie has just come on Crave, so I got I got to watch. Oh that. yeah, I've got it on the PVR. Yeah, have you watched it? Yet? No, not yet. No. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna watch that. Um, yeah, we can talk about it when the show is done. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can, yeah. It. yeah, totally. I'm, I'm sure people want to know what we think about Barbie. Oh, definitely. Yes. I don't know if you saw Billie Eilish uh, sang one of the songs from Barbie on Saturday Night Live this weekend. Oh, I've never watched Saturday Night Live for years, oh, really? but yeah. Oh, yeah, I still I still watch it from time to time. It's not. It's um yeah, it's not all my cup of tea. Let's let's mm. put that. Well, my humor is a bit more abrasive. Oh, yeah, there you go. I just appreciate the PBR so you can fast forward whatever you don't. Yeah, I I just like I'll, just like I'll the never football. Never get rid of cable. Really, it's like PVR is just. I will, I will say that has been a fraction on this this football season. I was all excited that Sportsnet no longer had the rights to the Bundesliga mm. because um the cost of watching it on there and although the cost is a little bit better on the zone in my opinion because there's other things that i'm paying for that i highly value like champions league and other stuff um i don't actually like it as much on the zone um because yeah the pvr i really miss having the pvr yeah it's harder I, to fast forward through it or well, it, well, it's, it's not even the fast I, I like i like the option where you can you know uh, I, I love the zone option where you can be like the, the you know goal or hit the woodwork or yeah i switched that off red card. spoilers but yeah, yeah. I, I i i like i like that ability but i just found, i just find i found this season like i've watched less bundesliga than the previous years because oh i don't fully know i think it's i don't know psychological i don't know but like when it's on the PVR, I put it on, 
and I like I would usually watch all of them like through. Mm. There would be occasional one where I'd fast forward or whatever. But now that they're on there, I only will watch like if I don't watch it live, I'll only watch highlights or I'll only use the spoiler to see the big moments of the match. And so I've watched way less than I have in previous years. I was the same when I had football for the the English Premier last season. I hardly ended up watching it and just ended up watching the highlights on match of the day because I just didn't like the the setup of it. So yeah, I mean it's it's weird. Well, that's better I, for you that you didn't watch that. Yeah, I I saw my last live game of twenty twenty three on Friday. I saw night. you say that. Yeah, on, yeah, on, on I, the old on the old Xbox there. Yeah, I, I mean, nearly went to a game today because Felipe's uh, team v Marcel Division Four were were playing at Memorial and it's like a fifteen minute drive. Is that, that is that the one he plays on or coaches? Coaches. Oh, okay. So I I was going to get out to that, but then we decided to record our like pre-Christmas East Fife podcast, so I, I couldn't make it out to that. So Friday's game was definitely the the, the last game. It was a 1-0 win for Columbus. It, it was nice night. I like getting out to these winter games under the, the lights and highly recommend if, you've, if you're jonesing for some football in January and February to get out to some of these VMSL games. The other big news, of course, this week, Christmas has officially started. The 2024 PDC World Darts Championship <laughs> is underway, and it's not on the zone this year. So oh, I, know I thought you said happening. it was on. I thought he somewhere says... I, I thought it was where, going where, to be. Because where are you watching got... it? Your PV, uh, uh, VPN? No. I, I've got a way of watching it, which if right. anyone wants to know how, get in, get in touch, <laughs> and I'll, I'll let you know. It's better the, than you not say on the show. There's, there's somebody that is streaming it, and I ha- I can can watch it that way. I try and stay out of other people's streams. Mm. It, it's been good though because I can watch it on demand as well because of how it's it's being streamed. Oh. So on demand uh, streams are good. yeah. Like for example, today it was like nine hours worth, so I could just go through the games. I watched I, your face nine hours of darts every I, single I, day. I, I've watched some darts that you recommended on Dazone in the past, and I found it. Uh, Oddly entertaining. <laughs> it is sporting theatre. Yeah. The drama, the twists, the turns. Was Is the snake in this tournament? Of course. Okay. Snake bite, Peter Wright. Uh, we already he, had a Scottish he, win. We've already had two Scottish wins, actually, and a Scottish oh. defeat. And the ginger ninja, Matt Campbell, is through for Canada. You didn't never age out of this sport, right? You could be like 100 and doing it? Well, they've got masters now. Because you well, kind of you you well, lose a little bit because you're, you're playing darts. Some of the games can be like two hours, so your stamina and fatigue will go as you get older, and your eyesight and stuff as well a little bit. So there is now the darts masters. So I've I've got a hope of getting into that. There you go. I've been practicing. Is there like an age? Is there an age limit though? Like once you hit a certain age, you have to go to masters. Oh no, and you can still keep keep playing. Like there's guys in their fifties and sixties that's still in the the main. Tour. How old is Snake Bite? Oh wow, he's fifty three. Oh, okay. So closer to you than to me. Yes, thanks for that. <laughs> Sorry. But we're we're going to start with the football chat now and we're kicking things off in this part with Whitecaps news of the week tied in with CONCACAF Champions Cup news of the week. And wow, uh, th- this is our second attempt at recording this part. We, we had the show all recorded. 
Parts 2, 3 and 4 remain unchanged, but with breaking news on Monday, we've had to jump back on and re-record this whole part. Initially, we we were coming at this from a, oh, the poor cavalry fans not able to play their their historic CONCACAF Champions Cup match in Calgary, having to go to the island and wondering why, looking at dif- different issues and stuff like that. Well, now it's not just cavalry that are heading to Vancouver Island because I, I, I think they should just have a new island games now, Zach, and just <laughs> play the CONCACAF Champions Cup on Vancouver Island. Yeah, that would be, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I just it just it just uh, I saw saw a few people make comments about how it was kind of funny to see some let's just say ML people who support MLS clubs who made fun of Cavalry's uh, having to play on the island. Yes, <laughs> now, now having to now having to kind of eat eat a little bit bit of egg for well for some uh, of the comments they made. It was, I it mean, was kind of, it was just kind of funny. Cavalry have the very valid excuse of yes. our pitch is frozen and we play in Alberta for the White Caps. It's because of a home and garden show. Yeah, which for all the things you could say about the White Caps and BC Place and their ownership, you can't say that their ownership hasn't tried to have their own stadium. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, with 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 Cavalry and being new and some of the other issues, we'll, I think we'll talk about. There is this like okay. But if you invested in more in in uh, in having your own stadium, you would have different. You you would have less issues, or or if you prepared a, a stadium that would be you know ready for these types of opportunities, you wouldn't have these issues. The Whitecaps, that's not it. You can't you can't uh, you can't critique for the Whitecaps for that. Greg Kerfoot, from the outset of ML of the journey into MLS, tried to have his own stadium in Vancouver in downtown Vancouver. Yeah. And my understanding is he's at least once, if not more than once. Yeah, I, I, I heard uh, maybe we're going five, six, seven years ago. He had a second attempt at a land swap I, I think, deal to, to get think, a stadium. Maybe even think, sooner. Yeah, there was one that was I think, not even not not even that long ago. Mm. So it's not like it's not it's not like um, there's a lack of willingness to invest and to make their own home that would see them not have to deal with these kinds of issues. <laughs> Yes, um, but but it is it is I can I can imagine on some level well, on some level it's frustrating for Whitecaps fans that this is happening. On another, I've seen other people who've been really positive and said, "Oh, this is a great opportunity for everyone on the island who l- loves the Whitecaps to go out and support them." Well, it it's yeah, I'll, I'll get into that in a sec. Let, let's just get into the ins and outs yeah. first. So last week the draw was made. 2024 CONCACAF Champions Cup and the fate of the three Canadian teams was known. It's a very tough draw all around for the the three Canadian teams. The Whitecaps taking on Mexican Giants, Tigris. Mm -hmm. Forge taking on Mexican Giants, the OG Goats. (laughs) And Cavalry taking on Floridian Giants, Orlando City. Yeah. Yes. And they're Orlando, they're Orlando City, Orlando City thieves. Yes, which we, 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 won't, we, won't, we won't. Yeah, we won't get into that whole conversation. But yeah, we had such a good before, chat in the original recording about yeah, that. But bef- we'll... <laughs> before before this game, we we do I think need to uh, at least on some level, to some degree, 
have that conversation about the history of Orlando City so yes, soccer club. I think there'll be a lot of Cavalry fans, CPL fans that might not know that that history, history. as to what they're playing and it's good for them to know to if they're making the trip, get some TIFO done or whatever. But from the Whitecap side, it was the fourth time in the tournament, the second time that they will meet Tigris in the tournament with conjuring up memories of that exciting semi-final back in 2017. Breck Shea giving the Whitecaps hope in that second leg and then it just getting away from them. That was after he, bottled, after he bottled in the first leg, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. He had that chance and then Kendall's defending in the in the first leg kind of let them down a little bit as well. But it was a great night. It was a great occasion. We fell short. And the Tigris, they're ranked third in the, the CONCACAF rankings. So they are a powerhouse in the region. Whitecaps going into the competition ranked 11th in the region, just missing out on the seeded top 10 spots. And that kind of proves to be a little bit important into how things have subsequently played out and been announced today because I've spoken about the cap to the Caps about how all this has played out and they've kind of filled me in in a little bit of background info, which is important to to get across to, to everyone. So we'll get to that in how, a sec. How does that, how does that ranking work? Because obviously they're coming in as the Canadian holders, so that must help, but does the MLS league position play into that? It seems to be like how they've done in CONCACAF competitions. Oh, okay. So you're going to be be looking at previous experience in the Champions League and obviously they right. fell to LAFC. You would hope... I mean, you saw some of the seeded teams and it's like, well, surely the Canadian Championship should carry a bit more stock and whoever wins that, I would feel as Canada's top representative should have the seed. Equally, I could argue whoever wins the CPL would deserve to be Canada's top seed and possibly get a, a buy, in, well, maybe not a buy in the first round, but a, a top 10 seeding. Yeah. But because the Whitecaps are 11th, they're the top seeded team in the second pool. So if you look at all the fixtures, you're looking at the number three ranked team taking on the team that's just outside and it's like one of the clashes of the round in that mm -hmm. regard and paper ranking wise yeah. and that's kind of played into it because the broadcasters have picked that game as one of the plum ties yeah for sure so the, the way that everything was drawn up there, there was, there's four weeks that the games are getting played and the first batch of games are getting played week one and week two which is February 6th to the 8th and the 13th to the 15th and then the second batch of games, which is where Cavalry fall into it, which is interesting because whoever wins Tigris Whitecaps plays the winner yeah. of Cavalry Orlando, but they're starting a couple of weeks later. You would have thought they would have kept... I, I When the bracket was made, I thought, oh, they'll have one half of the bracket starting week one, week two, they'll yeah. have the second half of the bracket starting week three, week four. That has not been the case. And... It means the Whitecaps uh, are playing the game in week one at home and week two away. Now, the Whitecaps asked Tigris if they would be willing to swap, and the answer was no. And that's within Tigris's right as the higher-ranked team. Yeah. So you've got the, the fact that we swapped with Real España last year because it kind of suited, because we had a clash again with the Home and Garden show and... 
everything like that as well. But Tigris are within their rights not to swap. And it yeah. depends how you view it. Is the second leg more beneficial to have at home? I've always thought it was. Away goals might be in play because then, in that regard, it's kind of better having the second leg away. So it's also important to note as well, when the Whitecaps beat Tigris, they will be able to host the the next game at BC Place. Against Cavalry. Yeah, I, I've, I've checked that. So the big Canadian derby at BC Place, that, that's all good to go. Oh, great. Hopefully it comes to that. There was also potential issues, though, like later on as well, because you've got the fact that the Rugby Sevens are are at BC oh, yes. as well, which is probably going to mean that the Whitecaps are away to start their, their MLS campaign, which we'll, we'll find out for sure on Wednesday when the schedule comes out. But we'll come back to the move in a sec, because initially things had come out at the end of last week on Friday, that Cavalry were not going to be able to play their home leg in Calgary at Spruce Meadows, despite what had kind of been led to believe for the fans. And like we spoke to Tommy Fielding Jr. a few mm-hmm. weeks back, and he had said that all the plans were in place, that they'd be able to have a game there. As it's turned out, that has not been the case. And it's a historic match, it's the club's first game in the Champions Cup. It's the first time a CPL team has faced an American MLS side in competitive competition. And we know Cavalry's record against MLS teams isn't too bad, having shocked the Whitecaps back in 2019 in the Canadian Championship. But this was the first controversy about these moving of games. And it's just the perils of playing in Canada, really, or in certain parts of the US as well. Because Calgary announced that the pitch won't be ready, saying that the frost is already quite deep in the subsurface of our pitch. Now, it rightly caused anger and consternation because of what had been led to believe. Cavalry mm-hmm. had said that they'd explored other options to at least host a match in Alberta, but determined that other facilities weren't feasible. McMahon Stadium in Calgary doesn't have a FIFA-sanctioned pitch, and the other option of Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton was ruled out because there's a snowboarding event taking place that's booked the, the venue throughout February. So AFT and writer Scott Strosser had spoke with Cavalry Commercial Director Mason Trafford for his YYC Soccer podcast and then transcribed that in an article for us on AFTN. So check that out, AFTN.ca. So Trafford acknowledged that fans are upset He says he's upset, the whole club is upset and they're going to try and see if there's a way that they can help the fans get to either that game or the the game down in Orlando, which might technically be easier for them because of flights and stuff. Trafford said it's not an ideal situation for the club in any sense. Why would we want to go and play at Starlight? The reality is we looked at every option to try and host a match here in Cavalry, in Calgary, or even in the province, and it just wasn't possible. Believe you me, we did everything. And it was a a horrible situation, and the timing made it like that. And the the thing is that it comes to the fact that once frost gets into the pitch, you need heaters, or under-soil heating, to get rid of that frost. Now, Spruce Meadows isn't, as it stands just now, in a position to do that. The pitch isn't feasible, the whole setup isn't feasible for them to do that. So to get around it, they'd kind of have to have heating down just now a little bit. They'd have to get 
covers down just now. You might have to have heating on a couple of days, a week from now to February, which cost-wise is clearly not feasible for them. And then you've got the option if you could put under soil heating in, and but then you've got horses using the surface as well, and who knows what damage that, that could do to it. So that was the first thing that came out, and there was a lot of anger, there was a lot of consternation, and when we had originally recorded this part for the show, we were talking just how much we felt for the Cavalry fans to have this taken away from them. And just focusing on, on Cavalry for this bit, it, it's a tough one for them, Zach, because they can't play this now in Calgary. It's difficult to to play on the island. You might find that there's more Cavalry fans make the trip to Orlando for the second leg than the first one, their home one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to feel in the stadium for that. Yeah. There, there is a, and there's one Cavalry uh, Cavalry fan who lives in the island, I know. He hangs over the lakeside boys, so he's gonna be ah. he's gonna be cock a hoop for this, but But the thing was it was it was gonna be a unique thing as well to have that there. And you might have had some of the locals come out for it. Are they gonna come out now twice in the space of fifteen days to to watch a game that isn't for their team? Yeah. That that I think that that does hurt the 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 number of people that will go to the cavalry match for sure. Unfortunately. It, the other thing is the stadium, Michael, we didn't talk about this. The stadium is so welcoming for Orlando because it's a purple stadium. Yes. <laughs> I hadn't actually thought about that till now, but yeah, they're going to be like, hey, we're home. Yeah. It's like there's not many teams playing purple. Even, but... their, even their Canadian flag is done in purple for <laughs> Wow. I had not thought of that until now. That is tremendous. It's like a real home away from home. I wonder if, I wonder what, yeah, I wonder if they'll have traveling support for that it's such a unique thing for them you've got to think there's going to be some folk that's like oh no i've been to vancouver island that's a that'll be a nice little trip for us maybe yeah. i mean I they, li- they, they live in florida oh. why would they want to li- why would they not want to leave sunny florida to go to cold <laughs> vancouver island that could have snow at that time that would they be the hear- hilarious thing is if it now snows oh and they yeah ha- they, they have issues with the pitch because of the snow oh yeah because February would, is a, that, a snowy time sometimes on the island. That would be very awkward. I think it's a little bit of a higher elevation as well in Langford, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Starlight, Langford, were welcoming to Calgary, and everyone felt bad because of that happened. Now on Monday, as we're recording this, it's happened to the Whitecaps as well. And the the statement that the Whitecaps issued in their press release had said that basically Starlight Stadium, the facilities, and the the mayor of Langford, they've been very welcoming. They're looking at this as a great opportunity to showcase the city, to showcase the stadium, which is a fantastic stadium. And hopefully they, they can pack the fans in. And as you alluded to at the start there, though, Zach, as well, it's also a great opportunity to... I don't like using this, the B word, but to expand the Whitecaps brand on the island and give island-based Whitecaps fans the chance to, to see a game. And considering we've spoken so much about the fact that they've been shafted this year with the 7.30 Apple TV kickoff, which we're going to be talking about a little bit in the next part again as well, this is a great little reward for the, the fans on the island. Yeah, no, for real. I, I think there'll be a... A good showing for that from the 
the people, uh, the folk on the island who are are big Whitecaps fans. And we know back in the day there was a, num- a number of them, especially the beginning of MLS, right? You think of the Georgia Strait supporters. Um, yeah, there was a, quite a quite a crew that would would go over. Uh, I have friends on the island who, yeah, they they still go over for the occasional Whitecap game, even with the seven thirty kickoffs. But obviously, it is prohibitive to kind of make it a a regular thing, or it's more costly to make it a regular thing. Um, but that's, that's... It, it, Sorry, what are you going to say? No, I just it's saying, it, it, yeah, I think it'll be for the white caps. It just it feels like it's this is it's not a horrible the, the worst thing in the world the way it is for cavalry, right? Like it's not like they're gonna they're gonna have well, several it's their home province, there. at least. yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and it's a it's a good occasion, and in many ways, like there's some big positives of this to me, and I'm not just putting a spin on this for the Caps' point of view, but there are some real positives in this. I think it's a better turf surface, for one thing, which could maybe not play in the Whitecaps' favour because you kind of want a shitty turf for, to try and put Tigris off. But they, they seem to handle it quite well in the Leeds Cup game, that 1-1, which is a precursor, and I know it's a different kind of tournament, and obviously the MLS clubs were in full season mode, and it was a kind of a break for the Mexican team. So I don't know how much you can read into that, but the Whitecaps at least went toe-to-toe. You've got the opportunity to grow the Whitecaps' name on the island, but you've now got a much more intimate stadium. Mm -hmm. And it's been one of my big complaints about BC Place, which is you're so far removed from the pitch in certain aspects of it. This is a proper soccer stadium feel to it. And hopefully we can generate a little bit of hostility towards the Mexicans on the pitch, not in the well, stands. We talk about Orlando, Orlando traveling. There will be a there will be a Mexican contingent there no matter what. Yes, Mexi- Mexicans travel wide and far for their clubs and for their country. Like I'll never forget 2006 being at the World Cup, and I was just like in being in Germany. I was like, there are so many Mexicans everywhere. Like everywhere I went supporting Mexico in germany and ever since then yeah every time uh, i'm either out of thing or i see a thing like yeah mexican travel i mean uh, there's tons of them in edmonton for the world cup qualifier mm-hmm. uh, there's tons of them in doha um but yeah oh, they'll, no, they'll certainly travel and it travel should make well. a fantastic atmosphere just because you're in a really close knit kind of stadium white caps season ticket holders are going to be recompensed with additional tickets into their accounts because the game's not at BC Place, which was part of their package. So they'll get the second... If they get past Tigris and they host, they'll get that game free. If not, it's likely that they get the two League's Cup games in, in their season ticket package. So oh, That's that's good of them. Yeah, so they're, they're looking after that as well. And they know it's not ideal. And one of the questions which we were wondering, re the... the the Calgary decision, I was wondering about this. So I've, I've got clarification now, which is why is the new stadium, Vancouver FC Stadium in Langley, not an option? Well, does it not reasons. meet CONCACAF standards? Well, the, well pitch, the pitch levels, is, it does. The pitch is better than BC Place. So it's, not, it's not the pitch. Yeah. It's the facilities and the, and the lighting, right? Well, the facilities actually are fine. They, they, they'd get by with the facilities. Okay. This is the lighting? It's the lighting. The the yeah. main pri- the primary reason is the flood lighting. So I spoke to the Whitecaps and they said they had very good discussions with the city of Langley. They tried to make that work. They tried to get it to be out 
at, at Willoughby. It would have been their, their preferred option. Well, Swan Guard would have been the preferred option. What's, what's they, wrong with Swan Guard? Well, they spoke to the city of Burnaby as well. So they still haven't fully finished the renovations there. Oh, okay. The track and everything is down, but there's still some other facilities that's not yeah. right. I take the dog to Central Park every now and again, so I've been watching it go. The pitch right now at Swan Guard is an absolute mess. You could so, not guarantee that that would be in a good state for February. So if the Whitecaps were talking about to the Township of Langley, that means they got approval for Vancouver C to have a match there. Yeah. Because you can't have a match there without Vancouver, a football match without Vancouver Well, C's. no, that was just this no? year. They just, just had that, they just had a 2023 say over the stadium. Uh, are you sure? That's how I was told it when there were mm. some issues with trying to get some games played there that they were vetoed on. I'll, I'll double check that, but that's what I was told. But the city of Langley were happy to host it. Um, the city of Burnaby were keen to have it as well, but they just couldn't give the guarantees that they could get that pitch ready. Well, hopefully um, that ho- hopefully for for Willoughby that that sees improvements to the lighting in the, in going forward. Well, that, we, that's the thing. We talked we, about it. We, we've talked about the stadium needs improved. Now, yeah. it's like, I mean, we're, we're going to talk in part three about the, the budget seems to be allocating for a new electronic yeah. scoreboard. Fuck that. Get yeah. your lights fixed. Because I've been to a couple of the, the night games there, and obviously you've been yeah. to a few. The lighting is absolutely shocking. So yeah. there's no surprise at all it doesn't meet CONCACAF standards. Plus, I mean, that's partly one of one, some of the feedback people have given to the stewards of the club is that, hey, because we don't have a roof, could we play like more later games? Mm. But I think partly what, one of the reasons why they don't want to is that lighting situation. Another would probably be like broadcast or whatever. It's, it's a, yeah, like, that whatever. could be. But I mean, you are broadcasting one soccer there, so I think that, that is doable. The thing would be, can you imagine if Vancouver FC had got in? And it's like, well, you can't play your game there. And you can't play it in BC Place either. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, I think my guess is, yeah, well. That, that's I, why I, they're I called Vancouver. They they can just go and play somewhere else. But, I mean, hopefully that will be a, a spur to the city of Langley. And I'm pretty sure Rob Friend will be like, see, you could have had this. Yeah. You could be doing oh, yeah. stuff. You need to invest in the stadium. Yeah. The, the final little thing to mention on this as well is how much impetus... Should I don't think it will, but should it give the White Caps to say we need to get a soccer specific stadium? We need to get our own stadium. Well, like I said, I don't think Greg Kerfoot needs any impetus. I think he wants one. I know they've tried, but it's like, um, will this now give them another kind of thought of let's try and make this happen? But I've heard rumours that that the race course was going to get knocked down. It was going to get turned into a stadium. Right. I've heard rumours they were going to redo Empire and turn that into a proper stadium. COVID hit some of those rumours and it's been a bit quiet since. There's plans for Swan Guard. There's various plans on the board to renovate Swan Guard to a different capacity stadium. I don't think any that was going to reach the Whitecaps' needs and you've, you've not got a lot to play with there, but we've spoken so many times watching the playoffs, watching MLS games of, oh, look at that stadium. Oh, Cincinnati Stadium, Columbus's stadium for the MLS mm-hmm. Cup and how it feels like a proper stadium. The Whitecaps need it from an atmosphere point of view. Yeah. Now they need it so they can control what games they've played. So they don't have to have stupid seven-game stretches on the road. So mm-hmm. they don't have to move things for 
events and boat shows and home and garden shows and stuff like that. So hopefully something can get done. And I I think Ken Sim, as the mayor of Vancouver, is likely to be the most open mayor to making this happen. And it'd be interesting for anyone that's got access to ask Ken Sim questions, if they can ask him exactly that the next time they speak to him. We'll We'll reach out to him and see what he says. This this is maybe a total, total, total tangent. Or maybe something for another time. If they were, if, if Greg Kerfoot was to build a soccer-specific stadium, what do you think would be the the best option for capacity? I so obviously, go, nothing below. I think nothing below. Let's say twenty twenty three thousand. Yeah, right? I was I was thinking like twenty five oh. to twenty eight. Okay. okay. I mean twenty twenty five might be the sweet spot. You should hopefully sell that out. Yeah. Potentially. With a roof. <laughs> oh, I, I, there would be a roof. Would... Yeah. No, I mean, it's not an ideal situation for the Whitecaps. It's not an ideal situ- situation for Calgary. I, I feel for both clubs because this has been out of their hands. Calgary's is slightly worse because the fans were kind of led to believe one way. Mm-hmm. I don't think we even considered this, but as soon as the draw was made, I did tweet out that there was a, a home and garden show I just took it that because we were in the side of the draw with the MLS mm-hmm. Cup champs, that we would be that the whole that whole side, that whole bracket would be played in weeks three and four. Not the case, sadly. And we are the only MLS club that will actually be playing our game in week one. Mm. When it got down to the end of the draw and it was between Tigris and New England Revolution, it'd have been interesting if we'd got New England Revolution there's a chance this wouldn't be happening because we might be in weeks three and four or New England might have been more willing to switch as well. Yeah, that's one of the things to me that's weird that CONCACAF wouldn't be able to allow, like knowing stadium availability wouldn't allow them to be in one of those other spots. But I guess if it's part of the draw, it's part of the draw. The the broadcast as well is a big part of it. I'd asked if Tigris had been pushing to play in week one, and no. It's nothing. All Tigris said is we don't want to switch, and they're fully within their right to do that, and I wouldn't either. But they they didn't say, oh, we want to play this week, we want to do that. It's just how the broadcasters, they want the big teams, and it's the big Mexican teams, obviously the Whitecaps, don't factor into what CONCACAF broadcasters feel is a big team, but they want the big team spread across the four weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's basically how it's happened. So it's not ideal for everyone, for anyone really, but hey, I'm looking forward to it. We'll, we'll head over. We'll have a, a good little trip. I'll take Caitlin and Annie and hopefully they can maybe use the stadium to their advantage. So one final little bit of Whitecaps stuff to talk about in this part, because Tuesday is MLS Draft Day. Remind me, where did the Whitecaps number one pick go to? Who has it? What was the deal? RSL for the rights for right. Sergio Cordero. Right. Wasn't right. that great? No, no, no. But at the time. <laughs> no, at the time, yeah. Cause at you're time like, it well, like a also, thing. it's our natural pick, so it's 16th. So right. the yeah. Whitecaps, we don't have a pick in the first round. But we do pick 16th in the second and the third because it's a, a three-round draft. Now, I would not be surprised because Axel and Vanny and some basketball player were down watching the, the combine. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. Some basketball if... player. I believe he's a coach now, Michael. He's a oh, basketball coach. Okay. 
don't don't really follow that that much. But well, actually, I think he's an unemployed coach. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. More time to go and watch the white caps then. He's just yeah, just just think about him like milk, Mister Two Percent. I don't get that, but he owns two percent of the white caps. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I buy 0% milk. I'm very confused with this. <laughs> um, but anyway, because they went down there and when we said to Vanny in the show last week, do you think you'll be busy over the next two weeks? And they said, I think we might be. And they weren't last week. Mm. Then I, I, I think there's going to be somebody that they want that they're going to make a play for. Now, mm. interestingly, there's two Whitecaps Academy alumni and two League One BC champions that are in the draft. Tell, us, tell us more about them, Michael. Both defenders, right back, uh, Delian Velios, who's played the last two summers with Whitecaps under-19s in League One BC, and Nicholas White, Nick White, centre-back from Harvard, who has who is the only man, and we, we brought you interview with him in August, to win back-to-back League One BC Championships, mm-hmm. 2022 with TSS Rovers, 2023 with the Whitecaps. Now, the Whitecaps have lost their homegrown rights over both of them because Velius hadn't come back to do the necessary training, and I'm taking it Nick White's year with TSS broke that for them as well, which is why they're going in the draft. Alternatively, it could just be the Whitecaps have given their permission, say, we're not interested in signing you, so you can go in the draft. I would hope it's not that, because I think yeah. Nick White is a very good prospect in particular. I would be um, surprised if it was that. I mean, if it's the former and it's just that it's lapsed, I also then wouldn't be surprised if the Whitecaps use one of their draft picks to take Nick White. Mm-hmm. But like right now, and we'll talk about VFC in, in part three, I, I had Nick White possibly pegged to, to go to Vancouver FC and join up with his brother there. Obviously, He'd be he's like Whitecaps through and through and loves playing for the club. So Whitecaps too is also a, an option as well. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I might not be the most exciting draft ever, but I think there there could be something. Uh, the picks would obviously bolster WFC too because right now they've only got eight players signed to it. A number of them have been told you can go find other clubs. If you can't, you're welcome to come back and, and train with the team. Which is not abnormal because they'll have some, presumably some players coming through from underneath. Yeah, hopefully uh, as well. And they, they've brought some international players in and we'll, we'll talk about that all, all in a future show. But it's been an interesting week for MLS next pro teams like Whitecaps 2, but not in this case Whitecaps 2, but the American MLS next pro teams. And I will be back with all of that after we play song number nine in AFTN's 2023 Festive 15. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Depression. Black Doug. A dark cloud. You took... My voice, my hurricane froze up. I lost my choice. Every path had a brick wall built up. I lost my heart. 
sense to me, won't escape, I can't escape, but hey, hey, thanks for being my shrink today, real nice you played, I'm grateful you listened if you didn't, what's left for me, you took my voice, my heart kind of froze up, I lost my choice, every path had a brick wall built up, I lost my heart, it's all gone dark since you Staring at the bottom of a shot glass I'm scared to forget So scared to forget What it is to be happy Like that's just it Like that's just that It's how it is and you can't go back Wish for things that we cannot grab But just to live can't you give me that? I'm sick of the funeral Sick of the muriel Sick of the sickness that's still invisible Sick of the R.I.P's Just three letters and I can't grieve I can't breathe Yeah, life is toxic Society's lost it And if I'm not done then I'm at a crossroads Set a tone and please don't leave I'll serenade and conduct a composition And hope you'll stay But depression's got the best of me You took my voice My heart it kind of froze up I lost my choice Every path had a brick wall built up I lost my heart It's all gone dark since you passed Sitting, staring at the bottom of a shot glass Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's song number nine in AFTN's 2023 Festive 15 from Edinburgh, Scotland, Word SOS. The second track on his album, But Doctor, I Am Pagliacci. That is Me, Myself and Depression. Song from the heart really tough listen uh, at times and that is where it's just talking about the, the death of a loved one and the depression that came with it for him makes number nine in our festive 15 for anyone that's new to the show not sure about our festive 15 or the criteria for it as well I, I pick 15 of what I feel are my favorite stroke best tracks of the year and it could be ones that's just really stuck in my head for a lot of the year or just was blown away with it when I first heard it, stuff like that. When I first listened to Ware's new album, that that one and an old one that's that's on it, On The Rocks, which we've played in the show before, um, but that although it was released on an album this year, it was originally out in 2015 or 16. But this was the other song that just, as soon as I heard it, I was like, wow, that's just, such raw lyrics there from Word, and yeah, that's why it's made our top 10. We've got another two to come in the show. What will be number eight and number seven? 
But for this part, we're going to continue the MLS chat with the other MLS news of the week. It's not been a great week for the league in so many different ways, Zach. I thought you were going to make this whole show just a I could have. I could have just gone on a huge three-hour rant about the US Open Cup decision, which we'll come to in a sec. Uh, First of all, I want to quote the tweet that I reposted from World Soccer Talk. Oh, yeah. Who said, What a month for MLS. MLS drop out of the US Open Cup. Lionel Messi calls MLS a lesser league, which I don't know if you saw that interview. It's like, yeah, I could have gone to Saudi, I could have stayed in Europe, but I thought I'll go to a lesser league like MLS, and it's like, oh. (laughs) Was it in English? Um, I don't know. I don't think it probably was. (laughs) Still, it's hilarious. Yeah. I I didn't see the interview, but I saw people talking about it. Yeah, I didn't see it either. I just read about it. Go back to the 2023 MLS Cup Final TV viewership is down 58% compared to last year. That's what happens when you've got your most of your season on Apple and folk haven't been following the teams. Yeah, it's great then having it on Fox, on TSN, but you've lost so much of the casual fan base by that point as well. And your last point here is shocking to no one ever, anywhere. It's not shocking. I missed him saying this. I don't know if he said it in the State of the League or where he said this, but Don Garber revealed that he hated soccer when he was asked to become the commissioner. But yeah, yes. I'm sure folk that seen certain decisions will not be shocked by that revelation. But he loves it now. He's grown to love it. Well, when they're paying him $5 million plus a year. No, you would yeah. love it too. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to pay me that, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> As I've said, if the Saudi Investment Fund want to sponsor the, the podcast, more than happy to 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 have your little ads on the show. Just get in touch, AFTNCanada on Twitter, AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. Your ads e- We'll even interview Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo. I'll even get his name right if we speak to him as well. I think, well, will we let Har join us for the question? <laughs> Oh, I dread to think what Harry would be asking him. That, that would be well, one you know and what, done. You know what she'd be asking oh, I, I, yeah. I, I know what Harry would be asking him. Quite right, too. Uh, um, yeah. Squirm. Uh, you know, this, uh, this uh, Kirk and I were on the zone this, uh, again, uh, because of the fullness of the weekend. Uh, only game I fully watched was the Bayern game, which was oh, quite a joy, actually. Um, but... Um, Alfonso played well too. Um, so we're going that. through the Madrid through... contract. <laughs> uh, if uh, we were going through the weekend and looking at the highlights and some of the key moments of other games, um, the, the Saudi Women's League is on DAZN now. You can watch it on there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll add into that tweet from World Soccer Talk. It also appears that at least a couple. We don't know oh, exactly yeah. how many yeah, of the MLS this. commentators on Apple TV have been let go. Austin Healy being one of them, who I've a yeah, lot of time for. I think he's an excellent commentator. Yeah. Or the rumour is they've been asked to take a pay cut of the Doosty. Is that, Austin, is that 25 years? Yeah, 25. Doing the league, being one of the voices of the league. Yeah. And he's very good. Yeah. That's pretty pretty appalling. Yeah. And it makes you wonder 
what what their plan is are they just going to centralize stuff like having the likes of Blake Price and Paul Dolan for example at BC Place do they want to pay for them to go to BC Place or just have someone call it from a a booth in Florida and Texas wherever but they do it well, they, they could pay you Pro. they could pay you to call it from BC Place I I would do it very cheap It'd be much cheaper I'm sure free apple tv as many apples as i could eat i think that's part of the deal so how many bushels would that be i i would I'd three three bushels a game then i can just stand outside game? And sell them. oh wow yeah s- sell them afterwards it's like 100 100 bushels over 100 bushels for the season the aftn apple podcast it's got a nice drink to it the a for aftn stands for apple from the numbers <laughs> apple from the numbers apple football television Network. Network. Yeah, let's go with that. Which I think is just Apple TV, maybe. This is how our shows end up at three hours. We we do our weird brainstorming nonsense during the show. Yeah. I I mean, that list is crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. I I know we'll get to the US Open Cup in a moment, so I won't talk about that. Messi shouldn't be surprising. Obviously, you think they would have coached him. They probably did coach him on... How to speak? Messi about... can basically say whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> no, I know, but it, it 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 if you're messy, you also have to realize that it, in devaluing in saying something like that, you have the potential to devalue the league, mm-hmm. which devalues some of the benefits they've given you with whatever the Apple rights and the whatever whatever is in his his contract, right? So we'll, that we'll just... find out on Wednesday as well if he's coming to Vancouver when the schedule comes oh, out. Yeah, there you go. My bold prediction, incidentally, Messi and Miami will come and play here in May. Also, like I mentioned, Saudi League and Ronaldo, and he'll be going over to play into Miami's got a tournament in at Saudi Arabia in February. There you go. That's right. Um, I will say it is um, it is good to see a number uh, in terms of the viewership for MLS Cup being down. On TV because I I not that I never not that I didn't believe you uh, and and how you've been going on about this since the Apple TV deal was announced, but it this this really shows how significant the drop is and um, I think you, you you it's not like this was you know Colorado versus Columbus right like this was LAFC. Yeah, versus a very good Columbus side who so you've got one of the biggest TV markets in the country. Yeah, it, that that they must be really, really, really concerned about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was nice. It was I got to say, it was nice that it was on normal TV. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I, I that. was kind of genuinely surprised because again, you can PVR it and it's easier to go back totally. and forward. Going back to what we're saying in, in part one, but I mean, what Apple have done. I, I've enjoyed the coverage. I think it's been great. I like the 360 show, but I know a lot of folk don't. I think it needs tweaks. I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that needs to, to make it better. I, I think they're trying to do a bit too much. But in, in essence, the idea is great. Yeah. And I think they've done a good job. All the stuff that the clubs have produced has been great for it as well. The content is there. It's all under the one roof. You've got a global viewership. That's all the positives. I know clubs like the Whitecaps have fed back hard. We cannot have games at 7.30 every single oh, week. 
That's been a huge... And they are pushing that they have to have these earlier games. Now, but, if the schedule comes out and they don't have these earlier games, this has just shown that Apple's been like, no, I don't care. We're doing yeah. this. And, and to be fair, the, the Whitecaps are not the only club that's done that. I know that there's been other... Yeah, there's uh, several clubs that are pushing yeah, for this. They just said, look, you're, we're losing our young families you know, their ability to come to a game at 7.30 is... Well, it's young families, and here, folk from the interior, folk from the island. Like, even... I know I joke about, like, Abbotsford being in the interior stuff, but, like, going from Abbotsford for a 7.30 game, especially a midweek game, the time you're then getting back with traffic, getting out the stadium, it's... If it's not a very exciting game, you're going to be like, I'm just going to stay home and watch this. Or worse... I'm just not going to bother watching it. And that that's where things fall down. And I, I hope they listen. The the stuff with the, the commentary team, that's it, I, I hate to see it, yeah. Because yeah. the the quality of the commentators has been very mixed. There's some excellent ones, and there's some really bad ones. And it's the same with the in-studio panel stuff. Now, yeah. my worry is... They're going to get rid of the most expensive ones, well, yeah. which are going to be the best ones. Well, that's the problem. Is that this sounds like, and this is just me guesstimating on this, but it sounds like sim- simple economics to them, yeah. right? Simple capitalistic economics, right? You have Apple TV, which has, um, although you know, I think Messi helped, um, has not made or not brought in the viewership that you would like or what you expect or has not therefore maybe has not generated the revenue that you would want from it. So you need to cut costs in the broadcasting or whatever. So you cut you. It's like, you don't even look at who the people are. You cut the biggest expenditures, right? Mm. So, uh, Mr. He- Mr. Uh, Healy, he's got to be near the top of that list. If he's been there for 25 yeah. years, he, it's he like, We'll, we'll cut him or he's got to take a pay cut. And but a that, number of these like the commentators have left sense. good jobs as well to go and do this deal. Yeah. To, to but me, yeah, it does make the most economic sense to, to cut that. It's like news broadcasts here over the, the years, there's been some of the really long-time news reporters that's been let go and they get replaced by younger ones and then more younger ones and sometimes the quality dips as a result. Yeah. And to me, it's backwards because you... you you want your um, you want your broadcast to be as quality as possible. So you want the best people as possible. So you should judge that on more than just um, just maybe the numbers of the economics. There should be some kind of if you're if you're like, hey, we got to make changes here. Well, you should go through the people, like you said, who is good at this, who is not good at this. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can use some uh, metrics that are you know ratings and whatever as a part of that. But you should also have some pe- football people who understand broadcasting who can also go through and say, look, yeah, we need to keep th- this team or that person. And th- look, this person, they've been awful. They need to go, whatever. Because you want to raise the level of of your broadcast. And so, and I also personally believe in that like, you want to, yeah, you want to keep your best people. So that is going to mean over the course of time, you're going to pay them more because mm-hmm. they're the best, because yeah. they're worth it. It makes so, the product worth putting money into uh, as a yeah. fan it's like oh, I, would say the, I don't I would mind say listening to this because yeah. this guy's commentating i would say the broadcast avoid the p-word but you're right yeah yeah the and 
again, we won't get into everything that we talked about when this deal was first announced, but money's tight for folk. One of the first things that goes are these streaming networks. And a lot of this goes against what Garber said in State of the League thing last week of, oh, we're very happy with the metrics, we're happy with everything. We've got all these viewers overseas because they're basically just watching Messi. And again, it kind of feels, which is then kind of going to bring us into our next point as well, that they're, they're more interested in the global market than the domestic market and the league being seen by eyeballs outside of North America and they want to have tournaments that will get eyeballs from outside of the US and Canada and they want to keep players fresh for that and maybe not play in as many competitions which brings us now to the other thing or the main thing this week which was absolutely farcical which is the news the MLS American clubs will not be competing next year in the US Open Cup. So MLS announced on Friday. Now, my email that I got through was the time in it was 3 p.m. Pacific time. So that's like 6 p.m. Eastern. Not a lot of media around to report such news. It's your Friday burial that is so well known in PR circles. So they announced that at the recent Board of Governors meeting, its clubs voted to have MLS next pro teams represent MLS in the 2024 Lamar Hunt US Open Cup. It says MLS will coordinate with US soccer regarding participation in the tournament. This decision will provide emerging professional players with additional opportunities for meaningful competition. The move also benefits the MLS regular season by reducing schedule congestion, freeing up to six midweek match dates. That congestion, of course, that exists because you started your own tournament. Which, again, as I always say, I like the League's Cup. I enjoy the League's Cup. If you say to me, do you want teams playing in the domestic cup competitions or the League's Cup? I would always say the domestic cup competition. It's it's scandalous in so many levels. One of them, the fact they announced it on Friday, whereas this had been agreed on the Wednesday. So they knew for days that this had come, but they buried it because they thought, oh, no one's going to care. But folk have cared. And yeah. I mean, it's fast as well because the, the press release says that they remain committed to working with US soccer to evolve and elevate the Open Cup for everyone involved in the years ahead. It's just bullshit. And technically, the USSF could take away Division 1 sanctioning for MLS. Now, they won't. I'd love to see them grandstanding and say that they will, though. Yeah, I've read a couple of things where people were talking about what they could do. Um, Do you see them even grandstanding? Like... You, I, I don't. I don't. I think they'll just bend over and say, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll work in this. We'll do this for 2024. We'll work in it going forward. But then 2025 is a Club World Cup the year that the US are hosting, albeit yeah. not to later I, in the year, but still. I agree. I, I fully agree with you in terms of you, you cannot use fixture congestion as an excuse 
when you yourself has art, have artificially created created fixture congestion by forming your own competition. I and totally expanding the playoffs. Yes, unnecessarily. And I, and, and I totally understand. We all understand that they're doing that because those things will generate more revenue for them than the U.S. Open Cup will. I mean, again, it's 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 the business of football getting in the way of what's best for the competition of football. Um, you would think MLS, if they were if they valued football competition over football business, they would do everything they could to elevate U.S. Open Cup to honor the tradition and the history that it has and to improve it and to make it even better and more meaningful um, and potentially even less conflicting for their, their schedule if possible. But because they've done it, how they've done it, it, it's, it's, it's really disgusting and disgraceful in my opinion. Like mm -hmm. it is, it is absolutely abhorrent how they have gone about this. Um, if you've ever been in a situation where you, Someone has created a situation in which to get what they want by creating something new to get rid of something old. You know how frustrating that can be, and this is clearly what they've done. Yeah. And so I think it's like they should, like their fans and supporters should make it very, if they feel that way, they should make it, make it, uh, make them know that very loudly and very clearly. I also I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they went to this extreme. Now they went to this extreme so that they could create less fixture congestion. I get that, yeah. But they could have taken a different road where they said, uh, and I know lots of people have said this, but where they could have said, uh, "We are going to allow our MLS clubs to field players from, or to field as many players as they want from their MLS Next Pro sides in the U.S. Open Cup," which would have probably required some adjustment to roster rules or mm -hmm. regulations or. I don't know. There probably would have been some kind of something on the back end they would have had to do to make that possible, but they could have done that and then yeah. said, "Hey, you don't care about this. Field whoever you want, right?" But that could still happen. Like if the USSF say, "No, you can't do this," then they could come up with this compromise, and then MLS all can kind of get a PR win out of it by going, "Okay, we've decided." Yeah, but, they st but they're starting with a huge PR loss. Yeah, like, which is ridiculous. But yeah. another thing to bear in mind here is, who has the right for MLS matches? Yeah, that's totally Apple. it. Who yeah. has the right for the League's Cup? Apple. Who has the right for the US Open Cup? Not Apple. Oh, Apple. It's yeah. on YouTube and it's on ESPN. Yeah. There's no way if that competition was on Apple that this would be happening. No, not not a chance. So not a you, chance. You're looking at that, it, and, and yeah, there is fixture congestion. There, there's they are playing too many games. We talked about it on last week's show. Yeah. Forty six games for the White Caps when you're you're knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, and you're just getting into the round of thirty two of the League's Cup, and you're still playing forty six games. Well, and that's the thing. You talk about, oh, it was voted on Wednesday. They dropped it on Friday. Michael, this has been on a path for years. Yeah. They, 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 this, it's this, escalated quickly from Garber's comments a week ago to then sure. this happening. But yes, in one sense, yes. But no, Michael, this has been a trajectory they've been on. They didn't oh, just they've say, wanted oh, this, yeah. We, from we from all his comments about, oh, it's not at the level, the, the pitches aren't right, the stadiums oh, no. that aren't was right. All, That's that was what the... makes fucking cup football so yeah. good. But all those comments were to set the stage for this, right? It was to see, like, look, we yeah. told you it's not at the level. And 
you know so we're taking the action we're taking the action we we desire did, did you see the the tweet i put out about the french i, I just retweeted it about the french sixth tier club that's oh, yeah. on yeah. PSG. Yeah. PSG, yeah. Uh, and it's like how excited they were about it. And uh, I mean, I want to watch that game. Is that like, a, right is away? That, I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. Is that a video depiction uh, that could go in the dictionary next to your word cock a hoop? Uh, most definitely. <laughs> but I mean, that is cup football, and I, I won't go through all again about it's dueling the crowd. Nobody understands. Well folk do understand but I, I, the folks also, that I, matter don't understand what they've got yeah I, I didn't say it before but i will say the mls news of the week for me was that the canadian mls sides are still playing in the voyagers cup yes because folk, folk were worried that yeah. they might follow suit <laughs> do you see newton sweet yes about <laughs> you got the year on you can say the cpl size will definitely com, compete no, but, but he said in 2023 Oh no, I didn't pick that up. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Alan Alan from uh um Alan from Forge retweeted he's like, I think you mean twenty twenty four. The League One Canada should put a tweet out going, Hey, all our clubs are quite happy to compete in the Voyagers Cup, just let us all in, please. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I mean I I I'm on the US soccer mailing list, so I've been getting all these things like in September, October, it was all the qualifying for the Open Cup. And there was like the teams like Ballard and a lot of the teams down that that are playing the, the summer in Oregon and Washington were in the early stages of qualifying for it. And it was fantastic to, to watch. Oh, they've done this. Oh, they're through. Oh, oh, they're out now. Could have had a, a good game down there. I mean, it started to get farcical when you had Portland Timbers under 23s taking on Portland Timbers and stuff like that. It that was when things started to go a little bit stupid with it but this it just annoys me so much and the thing is the us open cup the the winner is in the champions league now but the mls teams are like yeah we don't care about that because we've got so many nine mls teams and nine american mls teams and the white caps in champions cup next year so there's so many other ways that these teams can qualify for the champions cup and let's be honest a lot of these teams don't even give a fuck about the champions cup but it's like that's why it will not happen here because for the canadian teams this is a very short and much easier way to get into the champions cup because as an mls team it's either that or you have to win the supporter shield or you have to win the league's cup or finish top three, top four, or you have to win the MLS Cup. So yeah. for Canadian teams, this is a much better path for them. Oh, totally. And I'll be honest, if they, if the Whitecaps said, yeah, we're not, we're not going to play in this competition anymore, I would be so disappointed in them. I, I'd seriously have to question, like, if I could support an organisation that did that. Yeah. Oh, and you, you, I don't know if you, have you seen it? Some people have been losing their mind over this, like canceling their Apple TV plus. Yeah, I, I don't go blame them games. at all. Yeah, I, I think you, you will see significant and I think like year long types of personal and, and communal protests over this. I'd love to get someone on the show to talk about this. The, the problem is USSF aren't saying much just now. Um, there's, there's the fan, 
run Cup uh, US uh, Twitter account, which I might get in touch with the, the guy that does that, because I think that would be such an interesting chat to have. It could still be a lot of moving parts, but it was just so, so infuriating. I also wonder, as a, as a, I guess, a form of protest, if you will, is how many of the MLS clubs with the proximity and the ability will go out of their way, the supporters will go out of their way to make those U.S. Uh, to make the U.S. Open Cup matches like the the match of the year. You know what I mean? Like make the atmosphere, the displays, the, the whatever. Maybe maybe some of them because they're playing in different venues. Mm. They'll use pyro or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that can backfire on them though, because the league can say, "See, the supporters get behind these young, up-and-coming players." And yeah, but but you you realistically, like if you look at this year's competition, Sacramento knocked tons of teams out, went really far. Mm -hmm. They could be in the Champions Cup next year by winning the U.S. Open Cup. What happens if? let's just say Portland Timbers, MLS Next Pro side wins the US Open Cup and Portland Timbers are also qualified for the Champions Cup through MLS. Do they both get in? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, that, that that's kind of st like the stupid stuff as well. No, I think, I think, yeah, I don't know. Did you see, I think it was Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Oh, yeah, that was great. See the tweet? That was so like, good. Oh, we didn't think we would take beating your defending champions. Yeah. You, we beat your defending champions. We didn't think you, you would take it <laughs> so hard. That, you, that, hard. Yeah. that was like one of those, you know, winning the internet for the day kind of tweets. Yeah, but like, I, I love the USL. I've always liked the USL. I wrote for them for, for a while and did some work for them. It was great having TSS and USL. PDL days. I enjoyed having Whitecaps 2 in the USL. They've got not pro rail yet. It could still come. Mm -hmm. They they try things in there. There's like League One is going to be having its own kind of internal cup competition and stuff like that. And they're they're trying different things. So it just makes you want them to succeed so much so that there is an alternative for American football fans. Yeah, and that was part of the other talk was uh, I saw on social media is people saying, "Yeah, just forget MLS, go support your local USL side." Yeah, uh, I mean, isn't Detroit City FC is now in USL, and they're, this year they're being yep. coached by Danny Dicchio, which is going to yeah, be yeah, really, he's just really been appointed. Yeah, Tampa Bay's got um, the guy that used to be the Hearts manager, the Gordon Forrest was his assistant. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like there's a lot Speaking of teams coming over to it. Let's go on a real tangent. Did you see um, uh, Jamie, Jamie, his son got called up to like the U, I think youth levels for Scotland? Was it oh, U15? no. He oh, was, yeah. We were always told when he was here, he was oh, a man. top talent. He, he was a he was a baller. Yeah. And he, yeah, he continues to kick on. Yeah, he's he's doing great things. He'll, repre he'll represent you, Michael, one day. And you'll be like, I saw him kick a ball as a kid at BC Place after <laughs> I'm sure I have some photos kicked about somewhere that Tom's taken. But I mean, like talking about innovative uh, initiatives for, for next year, MLS, just to finish off this part, announced some sporting and competition initiatives for 2024. Yeah. And I've just slagged them off for all the other stuff so far, but I, I like 
You could have done this as a good, the good, the bad, the ugly. Oh, you could have actually, yeah. Yeah. Like some of this is great, some of this not so much, but a lot of this has been piloted in MLS Next Pro, and basically the initiatives are prioritising player health and safety and to evolve the game while upholding integrity of the competition. So under new competition initiatives, there's an off-field treatment rule, mm-hmm. which is something that's long overdue, where teams have more time to ascertain how injured a player is. So if a player has a suspected injury and remains on the ground for more than 15 seconds, the referee will now stop play and bring the medical crew onto the pitch to evaluate the player. When safe, the player will be removed from the field and remain off the field for a minimum of two minutes for further assessment and treatment. Now, there's some exceptions like potential head injury, goalkeeper injuries, serious medical events, or a foul that's led to a red or yellow card. So the great thing about this is it's it's not rushing a decision on a player that might be more injured than the, the person thinks, and then you put them back on the pitch and something worse happens to them. But it is also going to take away the time-wasting element of players just going down and faking an injury because they're going to have to be off the field for two minutes. So they're putting their team at a disadvantage right away. So is this the one too where you you have to stay off if you get in a, a collision you have to stay off till the other person goes back on or is that well the that, that is that that is another one as well that is the return to play equity so that right. if two of you are injured one can't come on until the other one comes back on so I like that as well there's also a time substitution rule where players have to exit the field within ten seconds and if they don't the uh, the incoming player has to wait sixty seconds before he comes on. So I like mm-hmm. that as well. That was and put the, in place in MLS Next Pro and it led to 99.7 of the substitutions being completed in 10 seconds or less. Of the 3,200. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's huge. The next one is good. You'll like the next one. I love the next one. In-stadium VAR announcements. So we've, we've seen it in the Under-20 World Cup and... The Women's World Cup? Under 17 as well. The women had it. So you've got the referee making the announcements as to exactly what's happening. So everyone in the stadium knows what has gone on and why that decision has been made. So basically, we can all be inside Tim Ford's head. (laughs) Why would you not want that? Oh, man. Um, And the the last one in this, stoppage time. Clock. The clock will keep running past 90 now. Yeah. Which I love because I usually have to end up timing things on my phone or my watch or something to see, okay, we know this five minutes, we're desperate for an equaliser here, how they're, long they're going to be, But they're also going to have to, I think for the North American audience in particular, they're going to have to uh, go out of their way to re-educate, remind people that it's a minimum of X amount of time added on and the referee can stop things whenever. Yep, which I'm bad for doing. When I'm doing the commentary, I, right. I'm bad for not saying it's a minimum. I'm like yeah. five minutes on the board and I'm not saying it's a minimum of five minutes. Because I know you're going to have some parts of, let's say, the States where it's going to be like they scored at, you know, 20 seconds after the time and the people are going to be losing their mind that they, you know, the referees. So it's only Mexico that happens with. <laughs> um, there was also some roster 
and budget guideline updates. Mm-hmm. Nothing very exciting there. Not very exciting, but help me understand this. The um, where was the one? Well, okay. the, the, the discovery lists. You get seven shrink, slots shrunk. to five. I just get rid of that altogether. Yeah, that's, to that's be totally honest, thing, yeah. I hate that. Um, the general allocation money. So yeah. Okay. For designated players, transfers. So basically, you can use more of the money to buy more players now. Yeah. So if if you transfer a DP, so we transferred Cordova. Right. So you'd get some money back as TAM or whatever, but now you can elect to receive a portion of the transfer fees as GAM. Right. Because before, it used to be like, a bunch of it had to go to infrastructure and other parts of the club, right? Yeah, well, before any transfer or a loan from a DP player, like not just from a normal sale, but just DPs alone, couldn't be assigned GAM. Right, so right. if you sold Ali Ahmed, he's not a DP player, so you could have the money back, you could allocate to GAM. So it's okay. just for DPs. Okay. I, again, just get rid of all this nonsense and just have money. Uh, it would just make things so much easier. The fourth DP rule, as indicated by Garber last week, not coming in. And what we're expecting then, and we talked about it in last week's show, you'd have three DPs and three under-22 initiative players. So that wasn't even put to the board to vote on. So that's not in place for 2024 yet? Not in place. After saying what a great thing that was going to be. So now it's, what is it then? Three DPs and two? Or three under 22s and two DPs, depending on right, like right. where they are. And so three and two or two and three. Okay. Yeah. So very disappointed in, yeah. in that as well. And the other one was a residency deadline for a player to be considered a domestic player. Residency has to have been established before the opening of the secondary transfer window. I don't know that that's going to affect too many things. But the general consensus is that the league is moving too slowly for some. And by some, you're looking at the likes of Miami, LAFC, Atlanta, the the big spending teams. Mm -hmm. But it's also starting to annoy fans as well who feel that the league is not growing as fast as it needs. And in the world game, when you've got the likes of Saudi that's bringing all these players in and throwing money about, you're stopping players coming here by having these restrictions. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I can't remember if we talked about it before, but I'm a little surprised that there's not the fourth DP. Um, whether that's with you know two or three young DPs, but um, I, I thought they would have gotten enough pressure from some of those bigger clubs. Or yeah. those bigger clubs would have been able to let's say whip the votes. But well, um, that's the problem because you've got you've got certain clubs that are going to be like we're never spending that kind of money, we're just going to get left behind. So yeah. not, we're not for this, and I, I I don't fault them for that, but at the same time, it does feel it's stunting the growth of the league when we're entering, as we've talked about, one of the most important times in North American football. Yeah, where thing where things are getting crazy competitive, yeah. right? especially with the Saudis. Yeah. But we'll we'll see what the, the next week brings because I don't think we were expecting so much drama this week. It's been a disappointing week for the league. It's got to be said. And let's just hope better things on the horizon. 
But that's it for our MLS chat. We're going to turn our attention to CPL in the next part, talking Vancouver FC and bringing you song number eight in our festive 15. Hi, I'm Callum Irving, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Looked in the mirror So many people standing there I walked towards them Into the floodlights I heard no echo There was distortion everywhere Bartle standing there Found my transcendence It played in mono painted blue You were the hero I was the dark room I'm a shining light in your This 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and kicking off this part is number 8 in AFTN's 2023 Festive 15 English band Blur. Their debut single released from their ninth studio album The Ballad of Darren nothing to do with the head coach of TSS Rovers it was released in May the album was released in July Blur's first album since 2015 that was The Narcissist and great song great album and I was like well I'll go for that one we'll go for another Blur song and I don't just want to have people featuring once if there's two good songs for the year but I I went with this one because when I heard it I was like, Blur are back. It's great to have them back. Really hope they come over here for a a North American tour next year. It would be amazing to see them again. have not seen them for many a year. But this whole album is fantastic. Highly, highly recommend it. So this part of the show, we're going to turn our attention to the CPL and Vancouver FC. Kind of a... Not really a season review, because we did that at the end of the season. We talked about lots of the highs and lows. We'll recap a tiny bit, but we'll kind of look more ahead in this part. Because it's been a few weeks since the end of Vancouver FC's inaugural season. There were highs. They they got better in the, the second half of the season by a long way. They ended up finishing with four wins from their last six games, including three straight before losing their their last game of the season. Some of the players really started to come on. They produced top players like TJ Dahid, young talent coming through. They didn't finish bottom, which I think a lot of folk had tipped them to do. And they were playing some really nice football in the end. So, I mean, that was a lot of the positives there. On the flip side, on the pitch, one win in their first 10 games kind of shaped their season and mm. probably hurt them in, in a, a lot of ways. We're getting the excitement in. Because can you imagine four wins out of six to start the season, Zach? The excitement, the buzz that that team would have had instead of four wins to end it. Then there was the lows, shipping five goals at home to Ottawa, then six to Pacific. But you, you had the other highs of beating Pacific twice as well to, to end the season. And in the next part, no, actually, in this part, we'll give some of our our awards for like game of the year, and I'm sure at least one of those is going to feature in there for one of us. But how how do you look back at it all now, Zach? It's been a yeah, few weeks, couple of months removed from the end of the season. You can maybe look at things a little bit fresher. You've we've had some chats since the season ended with management, with staff, with players. How are you looking back at Vancouver FC's 2023? Yeah, I mean, it was memorable. It was historic uh, in some respects. It was fun. Um, yeah, I, there's lo- lots of lots of it that I wouldn't change. I think like everyone or like most people um, who support the club or are connected in one way, shape, or form, you just wish that more people were a part of it. And that's the challenge. I know it's a challenge you've always talked about that that will always face uh, that they'll face from the, the get go. Uh, you talked about those postseason conversations, and it it seems like the stewards of the club have learned some good lessons in terms of 
the approach and things that did not work and things that um, should work or should work better. Um, so there's, you know, hope there. And I, then I think I there's think, a lot of hope and a lot of optimism actually oh, yeah. going into next year. I, th I think what might be, because for, for better or for worse, and obviously in 2023 was more often than not for the worse, it's things are still at a stage and at a place where I think success on the field will will help things, and that's not my favorite barometer. Or not that I want you long for people to like want to want to be there because they love the club and they they want to be a part of what's happening, and not just because the club's winning games or has yeah. player X or whatever. Which is uh, which is always tough when you're starting something new. To totally to, to get that excitement. Well, but I think that this this building of the squad will be better in the second year, and therefore, th those results and some of that uh, excitement for what's happening on the pitch will will be a little bit easier. And that's uh, I know for the stewards of a club that was one of the most frustrating parts of of the first season was that the the squad build wasn't what it could have or should have been for some of the reasons we've talked about in the past that I won't rehash right now. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah. we won't rehash the off pitch stuff stuff with the stadium and things because yeah we've said a lot of that and the, i mean plans are i don't know in full flow but the, there's hopes anyway that th things did could you be see, better i forgot to ask did you see there was um i don't know i can't remember i think it was an article in the one of the local language newspapers about the budgeting from the township for things no yeah so the only thing that's in there for the stadium and this is like not a guarantee or whatever, but it's like what some of their plans are. The only thing that's in there for the stadium is like 900. Is it like, I'm going to mess up the number. I think it was 900 or $950,000 for a, uh, like a, a video scoreboard. Cause that's a necessity, but nothing about roof or other stuff because they're doing, you know, they're doing crazy things there, right? They're building like a whole other like yeah. indoor facility and blah blah blah. There's all this stuff because when when Cavalry's Champions Cup game was announced for Langford, some folk were speculating why why not have it in Willoughby because at least you don't have to get a ferry and stuff, and it's slightly easier to get to. And then folk were like, oh, maybe they're doing the renovations, which I think is the more wishful thinking. It's probably they just wanted a stadium that looked like a stadium and had a roof. I believe it's the Fraser Valley Current. Is the um, the uh, publication that published this article cost for Langley Soccer Campus skyrockets to hundred million? So there's all this all this other like indoor soccer Jeez. and soccer stuff they're doing there, and it's gone up to hundred million dollars. Anyways, yeah, nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars is what they've um, are looking at to add a LED video display. It says so. You assume that's scoreboard. Yeah, I, I, that just blows my mind and like, not in a good way. priorities yeah it's like yeah there was several times at the games that i went to when something would happen and you automatically look to the scoreboard because you're used to that at bc place or wherever but it's like didn't spoil my enjoyment of the game it's not something that's gonna no. i mean it does enhance your enjoyment of the game if it's there what would i rather have a roof over my head for when it's pissing down or a nice video. I'd rather have a roof over my head. Yeah, well, for you, I think it's more for the sunny days. It was worse, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I just won't go well, out yeah. in the sun, but that's just for previous skin cancer reasons and, and stuff. Not that it's 
plus I don't do well in the heat just in general, but that's just me. But there's other folk as well, because who wants to sit on bakingly hot seats either? It's like, oh, it's been hot all day. I'm just going to sit down and burn my ass. You're meant to stand at the football anyways, Michael. Yeah, but young families don't. <laughs> That's true. But no, you and, talk- and old men like me have to sit down every now and again. When you talk about looking back on the season, though, I too, I'll add that, yeah, I mean, the, the best part of the year, which I've talked about on the show before, was just um, uh, hanging out with old friends and making new friends. And I, um, I genuinely enjoyed the games I went to and the atmosphere and then met up with, with you and the guys after a, a few of them and ha- had chats as well. And it, it was a nice experience. And I've, I said to folk, like, when I went to my first game as well, and I tweeted the things, I was like, get out, it's a nice atmosphere here. It's good, you've got the grassy bit if you want to sit there as well. It's a unique kind of view. You can, I mean, hopefully they'll have more tickets sold next year, but you can move around the stadium and find yeah. exactly where you want to watch the game from as well. Totally. And, yeah, it, it was, like, I, I really enjoyed getting out to, to those games. I thought it was a good atmosphere. And I, I want to support all the clubs. They're all playing in different divisions. They're playing against each other, then that's different. You'll have your priorities. I want totally. the Whitecaps to succeed. I want Vancouver FC to succeed. I want TSS to succeed. It's like they're my teams I, in, in those three leagues. That's what I want them to do. Altitude as well. Altitude TSS gives me like quandary as well, but I don't own Altitude. So. It's true. Yeah. Not yet, anyway. Not yet, yeah. Well, we're working on that. But <laughs> it's... And I want Pacific to do well once Josh Hare leaves. But the... We'll be getting to our villain thing in the in the Christmas show. I know you've been looking forward to that. That's a whole part to its own self. <laughs> but I, I, there was a lot to take, positive-wise, to go into 2024. We... We all know the team needs to get better on the pitch, and they're not alone. Valor as well. Valor's making Valor, some interesting Valor's, moves. Valor's been, yeah, Valor's been Phil. Phil, uh, it's great to see that Phil is not um, seeing his time end at Valor prior to his contract ending. Yes, I'm really happy about that. I think that's probably a financial reality for uh, the uh, nonprofit organization or whatever it is that <laughs> runs Valor, but. Um, but no, yeah, the, the four, uh, three new signings and one re-signing, right? Well, yeah, like one of the new ones, Roberto Alarcon, mm-hmm. 25, Spaniard, had been let go by Cavalry, and I'd heard murmurs he was coming here. Yeah, I've, I heard to that BFC. too. I, I can't remember if it was from you or from other people or... or it might have been from people. me. <laughs> yeah. But you might, no, I think I mentioned it, and... um. Sorry, for some reason I clicked it. I was raising. I I. I saw your hand up there. Yeah, yeah I raised my hand in real well, life, and for some it, reason my hand went up in the zoom. Yeah, sometimes it it auto reads it. Ah, okay. Mm. I'll I'll stop waving my arms about. I'm I'm very fired up about stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> I did not know that was the case. Yeah. Wow, that's weird. Technology. Yeah. I don't like that. I have to watch for that. I am I am somebody that waves my hands around oh. a lot. Like when I'm in scrums and I'm like asking my question, my hands are going all over the place and I'm hitting fellow folk. And, but anyway, um, but yeah, I he was meant to be coming here from from what we'd heard. But mm. 
So they got they re-signed the one guy, then they have him. They brought in Sean Hundle. And mm-hmm. there's there one other player they brought in that was interesting. Uh, who's the other one? I can't From within the league. Yeah, you're right. I'll look that up. But talking to Sean Hundle, um, I know a, a lot was made of his comments. And I was one of the ones that wouldn't let it go. And I had all my sarcastic tweets constantly about his comments about the Whitecaps. There's been players moved on from VFC. Would you say he was the biggest departure in terms of what he'd contributed to the team? Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, he'd have to be. How much do you feel his comments hurt the club? Zachary Secunda. Ah, I was just trying to get into to that just now as well. Um, and then the re-signing is Dante Campbell. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, what did you say? How much, how, how much do you feel Hundle's comments hurt the club? Because well, I'm I think sure no one needs to remind about it. It was after the first win against York and he made the comments that Vancouver needs a winning team. We'll be that winning team, not the Whitecaps. Paraphrasing a little bit. Yeah, I think it was a little bit... Uh, well, it was naive in one sense and perhaps... you you might say moronic in another sense because um or maybe ignorance the better the more nice way to say cuz yeah i mean there's no re- like if 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 they if if uh if the dive hadn't happened against york and vancouver uh fc had been playing the white caps in the voyagers cup and he had said that it still probably wouldn't have been wise, but at least it would have been like, hey, they're playing in the Voyager's Cup. Oh, yeah. It's like you're stoking that rivalry. Yeah, exactly. You, you get it. But when you're not going to play each other for a minimum of one year, it I don't. It was not helpful. I mean, the, the league, I know in talking to, I won't name people, but I know I told you this, there's some people from the league who are like, it was not helpful except for the fact that you saw uh, all these people from around the country come to... Um, not defend his comments, but to when Whitecaps fans began to take the piss out of the comments and the CPL in general, you saw this backlash from yeah, CPL supporters Yeah, because then Julian Gressel was... Right, right. Picking my words carefully, ambushed by Har. I think we can yeah. say, because Julian was not happy that his comment was taken a little bit out of context yeah. as well. So, but so you saw you saw these people around the country kind of come to the defense of the CPL, maybe not VFC specifically, but the CPL and the quality of it in general. Um, and so that was helpful, but in the local community, yeah, it was it was not helpful, right? Because there's a little bit of a dance, right, Michael? And you know this, you've seen this, right? Some people, um, and you and I have talked about this, you know, just you and I. There's some people who. I think then took that comment and said like, oh yeah, now I'll never support them. Yeah. You know, and it was just an excuse because they were never going to support Vancouver FC anyways. Yeah. Right. For, for any other, uh, for any other uh, of a number of legitimate reasons. Yeah. Right. Cause they've, they've got their own club. They just want that totally. one club. Not totally. everyone wastes their whole life watching football like me. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just don't, I don't think it was helpful. Again, I think it was naive. Uh, I, I, in case anyone was was wondering or whatever, obviously 
the VFC comms people and the VFC people in general were not happy about it. Yeah. It was not helpful for them. It created uh, significant issues. Oh, for I felt so, like, especially for Caitlin, just yeah. coming into the role and right yeah. away, a couple of games into the season, you've got this. Yeah. And so, but I mean, Sean, Sean has a swagger and Sean has a, a way of going about things. And you saw it in his initial comments from when he signed with Valor saying, oh, I yes. played really well against my former clubs. It was just like, yeah. okay. Oh, he's going to be so up for that. I'm. He's going to be up for it. Curious but... what reaction he'll get, though. Yes, because so obviously we... he's etched his name in history as scoring yeah. the club's first ever goal. Yeah, there's mixed. We've had some discussions. Some of the fanatics have had. Okay, how do we handle this? Yeah, because when think, I saw I... his comments right away, I was like, oh, how I does he get I... received? I don't know how things will end up playing out, but I know that there's been discussions around let's just take the high road and i know there's going to be not before the game but i think after the game like there's a a railing banner that was made to kind of commemorate that first goal that i think people would like the people who created would like to give to him um or it's the, a good job because you 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 were quite adamant you didn't want to have a the tradition of we're going to sing a song in oh, this minute for him that's no. that's good that you didn't go with that yeah no um and but the, see he also again and not obviously i didn't talk about this more at the time because i didn't want to um say anything that too negative about 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 the players about our own players at the time but he he, he always was when he even when he was here was someone who wasn't super approachable and wasn't super like uh into going maybe like totally deeper into the, the the fan community or whatever like he did stuff he did stuff don't get me wrong like it wasn't like he like never did anything and was like disrespectful to fan not nothing like that but he didn't go like the, no but the players mile. also have something in their contract that they have to do a set amount of hours yes, a week sure like right that. i'm but i'm but i'm just even just talking like after games yeah. michael in oh, terms okay of right seeming like engaged with what's going on post-match celebration that kind of stuff he was never like he would never be the first one over you know what i mean he would always be in that last group or, you know, slowly or whatever. But, um, which is, again, that's not the end of the world. But I know for, and then on the field, there was, I mean, talking to multiple people in and around the club, there was some frustration over his playing style in terms of his maybe not always um, being as involved in the press as he should or tracking back the way he should. And then ultimately his response to, Diaz coming in was, I wouldn't say unprofessional, but it wasn't what you would want it to be. And then when he was playing, what would you would you imagine would not be his his favorite role? He, I think, did not acquit himself as well as he should have. Yeah. And so that for all those reasons combined, I think is why the ultimately the club was okay with moving on from from him being a player here. I mean, we know the team needs to get better for yes. next year, as we're we're starting to say there. And we won't delve too much into this just now, because we'll we'll look at a lot more of this in the build up to the season, because there's still going to be a lot of movement to get made. Because I, I was looking around the league, players that haven't had their options taken up, and I was going to do a flash five or local guys. I was so could, excited for that. I know, and then I I suddenly realised, well, the clubs actually all have till the end of. 
December to take up some of these options. And the guy we're going to hear about in the next part, Renan Garcia, hasn't had his option officially picked up by Vancouver FC yeah. next year yet. So we're going to have to wait for that. But I, I think, is it fair to say defensively, they certainly need to get better. And they started to show it down the stretch, but they need to get better there. Five clean sheets in the year, which I was actually surprised it was that many to be honest when I looked at it. It felt less. But they need to improve defensively. They need to improve in middle of the park. But there's some good... good. Sh- that if they get Garcia back, if they get Fry back, there's a lot to build on there. And they've got to get somebody that is scoring up front. Now, whether that's Diaz that will find his form after a full pre-season training or they have to bring someone new in or someone to support Diaz or go with a two-striker formation... I well, think they I, also they, need Afshin to be a bit more flexible with his maybe formation sometimes. Yeah, well, I think sometimes last year, if, especially maybe early on, it felt like he was there was too much change, like from game to game. Um, but yeah, you, you, that, I think that's a, a, a like not an unfair criticism. Um, I, I think they they need to bring depth in up front for sure. Mm-hmm. My, one of my big concerns is that. Yeah, Diaz was great for the first couple of games and then kind of disappeared after that. And he didn't um, light it up when he was over in Scandinavia either. It's like No. Well the first the first half a year he did, I think, okay. But but my concern he's in is a that low, he, for sure. He's, yeah, he's in a, but he's only here for sure until like was it July first yeah. or June thirtieth or whatever. Yeah. So either like you're gonna have to have a plan beyond that. Or is bringing him back permanently a part of the plan? Which, yeah, what what is that going to cost, or what is that going to look like? Right, like that's a a significant concern. And if if he if he doesn't do the business um, in the first half of the season, and then you you know spend resources on making it permanent, then that also probably doesn't go over super well, right? Or it doesn't look super super great. So there's yeah. a lot of big questions around that. But you you have to assume at least one other significant kind of center forward type player or attacking player will be brought in. Right. I mean, Amir, uh, Amir, can I always mess up his name? Amir, Amir K. Yeah. He, he is is an option that, you know, will, will take up some minutes uh, in that role off the bench or, um, Gabby Batar was in a rich vein of form, but he's not, he's not, yeah, he's not going to play center forward, right? He's a, he's an attacking central midfielder or, uh, maybe a second striker. So, um, that I'm looking, I'm excited to see what Gabby's going to do in the next year. Um, but, uh, no, so yeah, they need to grow at the back and, and we need to grow at the front and we, we need to grow in the middle of the field. We need help everywhere. You know, honestly, there's some WFC two guys that's been training with the, well maybe not training but they I think they may actually have been training as well but they played anyway is what I'm trying to say and they they had a couple of post season friendlies so one of them is Joe Hansen who's a big striker from UConn so I mean that could be an option that they look at um, Lucas Dazovic Nick Dazovic's son who's a centre back. Elage Ba, who's a very talented fullback, and I was very surprised the Whitecaps let him go. But again, it goes back to that discussion of these guys look, are looking to advance their their careers, and if there's not that pathway to the first team 
there within mm-hmm. the next year, they're as well going to play as much as they can at the highest level they can. So, I mean, to me, that would be a great addition, Elijah Barr, for, for sure, out of those three. Nick White, as I mentioned, I, I thought should yeah. be a guy that they look at so we don't know. So, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of things in the pipeline. There's going to be the the open trials, I believe, uh, again, coming up in January. It's just all happening so fast. It's, there's a lot to keep an eye on. And obviously, we'll cover this over the course of the, the off-season. But I wanted to finish this part with our first ever AFTN Vancouver FC Awards. And I think some of them might be quite obvious. But we'll yeah. go through it anyway. Although th- this one might not be so clear-cut, which is the AFTN VFC Player of the Year. No, oh, I'm with you. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I've, I've gone with Callum Irvin. Yeah. I, with as crazy as it sounds, even in those games that they gave five and six up, he produced some fantastic saves. And he kept the score down in so many of these games and he led from the back. And he's such a good player to have with this team. He had a couple moments he would want back. And so, like, so not to, to hide from that, but I still agree with you that he was the the, the player of, of the year for the squad as a whole. Yeah. Um, young player of the year, I think it's got to be TJ. We can't really, yep. don't even oh. need to get into many discussions about that at all. But to, to see his progression from those preseason friendlies when, when David Osted was telling me about him and who he was and what to maybe expect and what to hope for, to fast forward, what is it, eight, six, seven, eight months, and he's playing an under-17 World Cup and looking like one of Canada's better attacking players in, in the tournament and looking like he has grown two or three years in that time. <laughs> like, yeah. He like, plays yeah, beyond his years. Totally I've, totally. I've said that about a lot. The Whitecaps girls in the, in the elite team as well, they're not playing like 15, 16-year-olds. They're playing like much older players, and TJ's a, another guy. It's, it's just that thing with Canadian soccer. It's like we need these players to take the next step. But is the right funding and pathway and development there for them to to take this next step? Because taking the next step is like getting to under seventeen World Cups and under twenty World Cups, but getting out of the group stage and showing that you're progressing, and then yeah. taking that into the senior team. But certainly such a highlight of the season and I really can't wait to see what he does in his, his second season with, with Vancouver this is an interesting one which is the VFC game of the year now I jotted down a couple of possibilities I don't know yeah, if you'll go with one of these well yeah this is a hard one I agree with you because for for me there's like a quite a few yeah running because this like what the first ever game even though yes. you lost it I mean no, that, yeah. that that's such a historic moment. Yeah. Then there's the first ever win at York in April, that two one win that yeah. led to the Shanando comments. There's the first ever home win against yeah. Forge on June twentieth, which was my first VFC game. But that was such a good performance as well. The the first Derby home win against Pacific in August, August nineteenth, that three two victory, a great game as well. Yeah. Your mic actually broke up there. I didn't hear what you said. I was in California, so I missed that one. Oh, oh, so you were. 
yeah, you were hanging out with Mickey. Yeah. And then the first Derby away win, the yeah. Pacific 2-1 on September 30th, which I would be kind of leaning towards because yeah. there's that's one year, what there's, Stokes' rivalries there's is one going that's to not, the opposition's patch and getting the win. There's one you're missing from your list. Oh. The first ever home match. The oh, one against yes. Calvary. Yes. Which for me is pretty is pretty high up there because mm. of the occasion. Um, I I might almost take as terrible as it sounds. I might almost take away that first ever historic win away to York is because yeah, it was there was I think twelve people there and and Sh- and Sean's comments and yeah, whatever. I'd probably take away the Forge one to be honest because it's like uh, it, by that point it was like June. Oh no, that was great. <laughs> that night was great. That it was, was great. a great night, but. Yeah. If you're trying to get it down to the best game, yeah. and it's it's like what you put the criteria on that to be as well. Yeah, I, for me, I guess the top three for me would be inaugural match, inaugural home match, and probably Pacific away victory. Those would be my top three, and they might they might be interchange interchangeable. Mm. They all had visual displays. Um, they all we. We got points in all of them. Um, yeah, that that helps. Yeah, yeah. It's it is a tough. One. I I just liked that last derby win at Pacific because of the fight shown. It oh, was an yeah. unexpected victory. It was a great day, and it it just it stokes what you need, which is this BC rivalry, and you you want that to be tasty. If Pacific had come. And won all four games this year. Right away, that rivalry's flat. Yeah. Well, both, like, both. I mean, all all four of those games, right? Which is that's a lot of games when you're playing a team yeah. four times. But all four of them were like like huge, yeah. and they were different, and they were special in their own ways. And so, yeah, like they. I'm I'm thankful in some ways for virtually everything that happened in them. Not everything, but virtually everything happened in them. Um, but both those away days were like they were amazing away days, and those home games, even though one of them was a horrific loss, um, it made those it, it, losing those first two games made those second two games victories made them so much sweeter, um, or made them sweeter in one sense, I guess I should say. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, those are my top three: the two Pacific aways and the inaugural home game. It, it's tough, I, as is like. For Whitecaps, we obviously do goal of the year and save of the year. Yeah, um, oh, you're just some. There's some awards you're missing here. I'll, I'll, I'll help you though. Well, the the save of the year, the one that sticks in my mind, but I have no idea what game it was at, and it might be the Forge one, where Callum came up with a a double save. I think that was the Forge one. That w- that would be mine. And uh, that that's the one that sticks in my head. Yeah, goal of the year. The only one I can really think of. Did you not watch Garcia's that? They put in, they, rocket. <laughs> they put in they put in top top five goals on YouTube or on social media. You should go they, look at that. They had five goals. Because <laughs> when I was thinking, oh, goal of the year, I was like, oh, that that's not too bad. I won't have many to pick from. It's like, oh, you know, you know for, me, for me, goal of the year is actually I think their number two in their list is outside of the left foot. Vasco Fry winner away to Pacific on the thirtieth. Yes, that was a nice one. I'd actually forgotten about that. Yeah, I'm just think thinking the the Garcia. Other, my second one would probably be my second one's got like a tie between 
uh, TJ's uh, goal against Pacific, which looks very similar to Gabby's second against Halifax. They're both from the inside left channel, bent to the far post, just inside the far post, like low, mid-height-ish. They look very similar goals. Those are probably my two and three. Hmm. Although, and also, actually... I'm third, I guess an honorable mention as well. It's not like the the greatest goal technically or whatever. And even then, even the the pass on, which I think might be from Hundal, if I remember, it's Hundal or Batar. I think it was Hundal. Um, a goal that was so significant to me, and I remember telling you this at the time, is TJ Tahid's winning goal away to Valor that lifted us off the bottom of the table, I believe, yeah. at the time and kept us off the bottom of the table. Um, pretty 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 significant i know that's not a huge feat but it it, it just it made things feel a little no, but bit it's the, it's the small better. victories yeah especially when you're not having a great season it's those little things that that you cling on to so you said i've missed some awards yeah so i'm gonna go sister of the year and i'm gonna go i'm gonna go um i'm gonna agree with the the one that the stewards of the club put out on social media and it's reynan garcia's cross for diaz away to atletico that header that he scored his first goal. I don't know if you remember that. No, no. Um, <laughs> also, well, let's let's do you. You have one other award. Let's do that one. Well, yeah, it was going to be. And the then I have to watch in twenty twenty four. That isn't TJ. Yeah, Let, so let's just put that down. So if it's not TJ, I think James Cameron needs to be high up on that list. Um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. It's just like see. one to watch. Period. It's one. It's not young player. It's just one to watch. In yeah, general. just just one that you think is going to be like a guy that's going to really excel, hit the dizzy heights. And I'm going to go out and say that they signed Vasco Fry. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is my oh really? One. And he yeah. becomes like one of the best midfielders in the league. I really hope that they bring him are able to bring him back. Yeah, I like I like his uh, his ability to go box to box. I like that he's left footed. I like that he can shoot from distance. Um, I like his distribution. I think is 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 good enough and can grow. Um, yeah, I I'm uh, I was really I was a little skeptical honestly when he came in. I was like, okay, what's he going to add? And he added a ton. He added a ton. He was now you could argue about levels or whatever or, or who's around him as well. And mm -hmm. I suppose here in the next part, yes, Garcia is so yeah. high on him, and Vasco's also so high on on how. Renan's helped him. It's elevated his game, and he he looked better with Vancouver FC than I'd seen him this season with WFC too. Yeah, because I remember you saying to me, "You're like, oh yeah, he hadn't he hadn't quite yeah uh, he had a good first season, but he didn't hit the heights I was hoping for from him." And so and he's Sometimes out of contract. You just need a new environment. And he's out of contract. They're not resigning him, right? That's yeah. official, right? Yeah. So yeah, I really hope. But they could they could bring him back. But I think yeah. the the Whitecaps, and we spoke about this at the time, they're doing a good thing here. They're not just holding on to this young talent. They're saying to them, look, and it's like Simone Massey, who's probably going to have opportunities in Europe and here as well. And you've got other guys that it's like, look, we don't want to hold on to you. If you're not going to, if we don't see that pathway for you this year, go out, spread your wings, show us what you can do. We can always bring you back. Yeah. So my last one, uh, so that's the young, young, uh, one to watch for 2024. There's got to, there's at least one more, and I, I kind of want to award. I would love to give each of these, each of these people awards. 
I thought you were going to do a TIFO of the year. Oh, well, I mean, what would, what would be your choice for that, Michael? Uh, well, I like the Friday. I'm in I'm love what? one just mainly because I like the song and I like the cure. But still. I love I love that one as well. Um, Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm obviously biased, but I really and I really was really happy with the displays that were made this year. And I thought they were well done and. Um, I think even ending, it was interesting to end the year on the largest single piece of TIFO. Uh, so just the passion that was there, and I like oh, that I, was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I hardly, I didn't do any of the creating on that. I just helped with a little bit of logistics, whatever at the end. But um, people were so passionate; they were like really wanted to end the year uh, on like this note of "Hey, we're with you," and there's more to come, and whatever. Um, I'm getting the sentiment wrong from that. The words yeah. are not better, but just um, get to your last award because we still got last award. To go. I, I, have, I have like four or five um, nominees. Okay, well, what's the award? The villain of the year. Oh. <laughs> is it the referee that sent off Rocco in that first home game? Yeah, so I was gonna make that one actually a little bit more specific in saying, like, it could be. Well, there's so many referees you could give it to. So I was just gonna say lack of VAR. Oh yes, or like so, like the the you could say I guess the the the, the league for lack of VAR, um, but that that's high up there. Um, obviously, without question, Meyer Bevan is high up on the list because he was the one who embellished on that play, um, and on several others throughout the year. Uh, obviously, I, I can't remember his name now. I can't remember what even his number was. But the individual who flopped for the Voyager's Cup game for oh. you would be another another. Yes, another he, he's your Josh Herd. <laughs> yes. Well, so is Meyer Bevan. But um, and then well, there was one other one. Oh yeah, Eric. Now this, some people are going to think this is, <laughs> but Eric Edward, the mayor of the township of Langley. Oh, I, I was so, thinking. Do you mean Eric Edwardson? I was like, what is he no, done? He's just... It's Eric. I think I'm pretty sure the mayor's name is Eric Edward. Right? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Anyways. I spoke to the last guy. He was nice. The mayor, the mayor of the town today, the last guy was very nice. I liked him. Um, Eric Edward, obviously, in one sense, we're grateful that there's a stadium to play in. But it's not the stadium that I think the stewards of our club were, how shall I say, led to believe would be the stadium. No. Right, so and it's, up with their plans led us to believe exactly, and so there needs to be a roof on that stadium, and it needs to happen sooner rather than later. And uh, I don't know how that's going to happen or when that's going to happen, but that needs to change. And sell like TG, get all the money, build a roof. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's I, what I, actually that is the kind of thing that's going to yeah. bring money in. I mean, but, it, um, this is my my villain of the year is Rob Friend. Your villain? Mm -hmm. Oh, tell me more. For making sure that he scheduled games when I couldn't go. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm well, blaming it to totally on Rob. I, I think you mean the league <laughs> schedulers. He's, he's got a say, I'm sure. I don't I don't think he, well, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he had some involvement with that, but he's not the dude running the computer that's generating the schedule and hitting refresh, refresh, no. refresh. Oh, just an aside, I don't want us to get sidetracked because we've still got another part to go. They were talking about the schedule on Garber's thing last week as I played the audio and stuff. 
and I, I, I never mentioned this when Gabber says, if any of you would like to sit down with the guy oh, yeah. that comes up with the schedule, I was you like, told- I fucking would actually. Yeah, yeah, can you put me in touch with him? You told me about that, yeah. It's like, I'd love to sit down and have a chat with him. Yeah. And then he just brings out a monkey at a typewriter. I, I knew you were going to say that. I was going to say, why don't you tweet tweet your meme of the monkeys and the typewriter? Caitlin says I'm too predictable in my jokes. I don't, I don't know what she means. It, that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing, although for you occasionally it is. But yeah, anything else to end up on this on VFC? We're going to continue some VFC chat in the next part. But well, I, I think, like you said, there's reason to be hopeful for the, for the next season. And um all those people who um found it meaningful or found it um to be their club or their club for cpl um yeah yeah that, that's nice to yeah to have I guess my, my hope is that those people will continue to press into being involved and um inviting others in and and progressing things and moving things forward and um yeah same with all the stewards of the club all the people who you know, work for the work for the club to that they'll have a productive and um uh awesome off season you know from the player recruitment to um i know the you know there's new kits coming for the year to scheduling to you know all the game day stuff um that yeah that they'll have good and well one that they'll have a good refreshment in the off season when they'll be able to recharge their batteries as i know some of them are doing yeah. right now but then also that as they get back at it that uh they'll be able to put in all the the hard work to continue to, to help things move forward. And, you know, Michael, we, everyone would love everything to be like instant. We live in an instant gratification mm-hmm. culture. Um, if this is a slow build and it takes two or three years to like fill the stadium with people who are passionate about the club, I can live with that. Um, as long as there is progression and things are moving in the right direction and the right approach is being taken, all that kind of stuff. And I think, I think that's how, uh, many of the people who, who I hang out with kind of feel as well. Yeah, your sentiment about just people that this is their club and has fallen in love with the club, that's actually going to tie in very nicely with our Wavelength song that we've got coming up in the next part. And then the final part of the show this week, we're going to be bringing you our feature interview for the show with Vancouver FC midfielder Renan Garcia. We'll talk the CPL draft and we'll bring you that wavelength song as well as number seven in our festive 15. We'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Caden Chung, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. me 
Even if the picture's obscured Even if the picture's obscured Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is number 7 in AFTN's Festive 15 for 2023 from Glasgow, Scotland. Bell and Sebastian, a song from their January album Late Developers, that was Juliet Naked. Great song and a great return to form by Bell and Sebastian on that album. Really enjoyed that album. It's really back to some of their good early stuff. This part of the show, we're going to continue the CPL chat. We're going to continue the VFC chat. And we're going to bring you our feature interview for this episode. There's a surprising signing for Vancouver FC in the summer. It certainly raised eyebrows as they added a 37-year-old Brazilian midfielder, Renan Garcia. 13 appearances, one goal over the course of the season and really was a, a spark to to VFC down the stretch. Such a, a big bolster to their midfield. We got a chance to sit down and chat with Renan a couple of weeks ago just about how he feels about how the season went and looking ahead to 2024. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice and listen to our chat with Renan Garcia. Renon, you've only had a, a short three months here so far. How did you find your, your first experience in the Canadian Premier League? Yes, for, when I arrived here in the half of season, 
Charai Verde, like Mikael, Diaz, Vasco, we change like half team, you know? And we, every day we train, we work hard. We have shortly time to improve a lot. And we need to give our best for the end. And uh, of course, we want to stay in the, we try to make the playoff. We try until the final. We fight a lot, but we miss like maybe nine points to go. But I'm happy about the group, uh, about our team, because we improve a lot in half season, short space, and we grow a lot. But uh, I believe next season should be very good. And we, I, I'm sure the honor with the Afshin, with the old staff, we we make one a strong team, strong group for make beautiful things in the next season. You've played all around the world. I, I think from looking at it, this is the seventh country that you've played in overall. Yeah, how, I think yes. How did this move come about? What what attracted you to Canada and in particular to Vancouver? Yes, I, I never was before here in North America. When I stay in Brazil, uh, I speak with everybody, you know? And um, I would like to come here, North America. I know now Canada, we have like, this is the five season, yes? Yes. And uh, have too much things to 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 grow, I believe, with the guys, about football, everything. And uh, Vancouver, is, we have the first season, of course, this year. And about challenge, and when I have this chance to come, I say yes the first time, because we had big challenge with the club. First season, you know, it's not easy, but second year should be, everything is different, we hope. But uh, I'm very excited to to play in this, in this culture again. Uh, this first four, four months for me was very good. Uh, I improved a lot. I I learn with the guys. They learn with me. We stay together every day. We work hard. But for me, it's a great experience in North America. We have too much to to improve. How I say, and uh, for for the next season, we we need to talk. But uh, I'm excited to 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 stay here. And uh, we finish now with the trainings until the final of this month, and we we see what happens for the the next month. I think when they signed you, people were surprised, partly because it's a young league and you're one of the older players, which I don't think is a bad thing, because uh, I'm way older than you. But also, you hadn't played a lot in the last couple of years. Did you find it quite easy, though, just to get back into the swing of things? Because it looked... If anyone watched you play they would not have known that you hadn't played many games over the last few years. Did, did you find it quite easy to get back to playing again? Yeah, firstly, maybe the, some people don't accept this because, of course, I'm 37 years old. But uh, you believe in me, I, I, I work hard every day. When I stay holidays, like now when I stay in Brazil, I maybe I take two, three days rest. And I start to work again every day. And that's why I'm here now. 
and uh physically if you keep your body work every time and your mind stay 100% i believe the age just numbers no if you have 20 years or 37 36 doesn't matter in my opinion and that's why i'm here now i i want to play much more i can like if i can play three four five years i will do this for sure and i hope and uh yes if you you keep strong firstly mind brain after your body uh, your machine our machine to to games train everything and uh, i take care about myself every day what i eat what my rest my sleep everything so uh, i'm here now i feel like 25 years now <laughs> i tell you the guys always yeah but uh this is nice i like to challenge my my body myself and work hard in the gym the field everything i think this is connection no? one mix we need mix this and uh that's why I play until now, and I hope I play much more seasons. Uh, you've played in Brazil, Spain, Portugal, Romania, Italy, and the UAE at top yes. clubs, top leagues in your career. How have you found the level, the quality of football in the CPL compared to those other leagues that you've played in? Look, I, I, I'm not surprised because I, I follow a little bit. I try, even when I stay in Brazil, I, I try to, to follow the the league, the football, no? and uh, before when I have the the option to come here and uh, we start see the the games, players, I think it's very good level for me, in my opinion, very good level. And uh, now every year the league come more strong. I talk with the guys; they speak this year was much more strong than last season. And uh, of course, I don't see any game for last season, but uh, what I see now here. When I play against these four months, is was strong. Is the like the level is high. You see the first four teams stay in the close, no, and we stay we stay down also is close. But I I believe it, next season for sure, this was more strong, more league about players. We hope uh, the players come strong players, very good players. Like I speak about Becker for Forge is 33 now, 32. But like experience about players, very good play. I like him. And uh, we hope stay many players. This mix like combine, okay, great experience with youth players. Like we have TJ, 16 years old. I mean, I have his place in, in Brazil before. We know this. I try to help every day with the words when you speak after they train before the training and uh but for me it's very good level cool. what uh what did you make of vancouver football club it's a it's a new club it's very much in a building phase so what, what would you say are the positives that you feel that the club and the supporters can take out of season number one for me i i, I believe what i i love because they like our honor rob Everybody here, they talk about we need to build the club to take title, to be champions. And this is the first thing for me. We, the club, the Vancouver FC, don't stay here just to play the league. You want to improve. Like, this is the target is playoff. For a little bit, we don't stay. But for next season, 
of course, when you want stay big, you need think big, you know. And uh, for sure, you need think about take champion next season, playoff step by step, of course. But uh, uh, your dreams, you need to stay positive and take big team. So we have big challenge next season, of course. But uh, the club is ready to make big team, big group to how I say to to take uh, this try to make the playoff and go to the the champions and we we see this every day day by day and I love this club I love the club the people work here everybody staff we see they are together work hard it's not easy for the club first season you build new team to play one strong league like here but uh, I believe for next season everything should be more easy but now we have the experience to next year for everybody and uh, about the team I'm sure they they stuff and on they they take care and make it the big team to have big target in front of us cool. it's good to hear that you get along so well and you appreciate the the staff and the club so much how have you found uh, like life in general in Vancouver and in Canada yeah i i i say good here because first time but uh, uh, about everything, uh, honestly, I like here Vancouver, uh, Canada is about city. I don't need to talk this beautiful place. We have everything, but uh, I love this. I love winter. If for me, it doesn't matter. We speak when we stay, when we play, when we, we train. If it's rain, if you have sun, it's for everybody, for both teams, and the field is no excuse. You know, you just need thinking or targeting your job and do your best always this is my opinion i hope you like the rain because it's probably going to rain for about the next four months <laughs> i like you know here is similar to genoa italy rain ah. like almost every day because it's staying north part but honestly uh, i like rain especially when a training game the the ball when you have like start from grass now the game come more faster. The the ball slide more. the The game comes nice, no? Because come more fast, like uh, in the Europe football. And uh, when you have natural grass, of course, like Calgary have the natural grass, the the football come more faster. When you have dry grass, is more little bit slow. You need put more power on the pass. And um, but I love training with the rain and 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 play with the rain. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're back for next year. So what are your plans now? Are you, are you going back to Brazil? Are you going to be staying here? Yeah, now I'm back for uh, holidays for the end of this month, October. I I want to keep here with the group, with the team to train. And because here we have long vacation. Mm. But we finished to talk here about the details. Uh, and we we continue talking. And... Uh, but I'm going to Brazil now, and uh, I hope, of course, I wish to to be here in the next season. We spoke to Vasco Fry a couple of weeks ago, and he spoke about how much he has learned from playing alongside of you and that you've taught him a, a lot. D do you enjoy that side of the game now that you're older? Would you want to get into coaching when you finish playing? 
Yeah, I don't think uh, right now about this because I I love the games. I love about tactical part and uh, how we speak with Pasco. Every time we speak, any second we speak in the train and the field, more we speak and more you learn and you, you keep your mind good for the game, no? And uh, the football is that part. Always you need to be concentrated, smart, and we keep talking every time. But right now, I don't think this, but is one possible, no? Maybe you never know what happened. We work with this. I work with what I, I love for all my life. If he, maybe after five years, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we can do, why not? We, we think. <laughs> well, let's see. Well, that's it from me, Zach. You anything else? Uh, no, I just want to say, yeah. So you're, you're going to go home to Brazil, you're going to vacation and you're hoping to come back next year. Um, well, yeah. How, how you said five years there. How, how long do you think you can keep going? Like how long do you want to keep playing? Oh man, like uh, when I speak with the guys, they smile huh? because I speak. Ah, I want to play more three, four, five years. Of course, we need our body every season, every day. You, when we play, when you train, we can take some injury. Of course, we hope never take. But and all my career, I never take serious injury. This is very good. Thank you God for this. But uh, I think this you can reach more what you can. If you don't get serious injured, so if I have, I believe I'm sure about that hundred percent. If I work like how I work, how I take care, what I eat every day, and this I do for sure. And for minimum, minimum, I can play three three years more. But if I can play five years more, then uh, I will do this. I pros for me myself. I pros for God, for my son, for my fam, and uh, I work what I love and. Uh, I go for it to much more what what I can. Well, I think the supporters would really love to have you back. Thanks, man. Thanks. Me too. I wish we do. Yeah, it's been it's been great watching you this year. I think you've been tremendous. You've been a great addition to the team, and yeah, hope to see you back next year. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate talk with you guys. Thanks, you. Nice to meet you again, and uh, for sure, I mean, I I'm hope to stay here next season. To talk with you again and we and we hope we make a great season in front of us we we have for sure thanks again yeah. thanks renan Renan Garcia there, Zach, and it, it was, I enjoyed chatting with him. His body is a temple, literally. It's just, he is a guy that looks after himself and he feels he's got another three, four, five years ahead of him. And he wants to be back next year. It's not official that he is back for 2024. He is one of those options that's not been picked up yet. But you hope for VFC that you get that experience and what he added to the team in that short spell this year, I want to see more in 24. Yeah, I mean, t t totally. He was, when he came in, I had the concern. I'm like, oh, what is going on here? This is a a 38, or sorry, 37-year-old 37 player. What what does this mean? Like, uh, how, how long can he be here? And then you saw what he did. You saw how he brought calm and order and purpose to the midfield. You saw the impact he had on 
the locker room. Uh, I know I can't remember if it was Afshin who told us this, or maybe Rob Friend or someone talked about how when him and Diaz came in, these were the first two married uh, guys in the yeah. locker room with with children or or whatever, and so their life and their lifestyle had a significant was a significant eye opener for the rest of the players and their professionalism and really really helped things a lot and so um i think his contributions go go way beyond the pitch and so i yeah i i can't believe i'm saying it but yeah i hope that this is the 37 plus year old that that they choose to bring back because i think he uh can be a uh a a person who a player who get, plays a significant role on and off the field for yeah. for the yeah for the club. Like he he's a he's the the locker room leader that takes some of the weight off Callum's shoulders, who's felt that he's had to do a lot of this himself. And he's great for the young guys. Vasco Fry talked about just what he's done and that they've talked about players have seen him going to the gym early, arriving early, and they're like, oh, that's what it takes to be a pro. We're, we're going to mm -hmm. do this. It's exactly what they need. And I really, really hope that he's back for 2024. Same, yeah. Now, we don't know who is going to be back, what new additions is going to be, but two potential new additions came out of the CPL draft that oh, yeah. took place this week. Uh, on Thursday, it was broadcast. It had been done before Thursday. It had been what? done on Tuesday night by a Zoom. What? Mm. Well, at least it allows them to edit any of the shenanigans that took place on that Zoom call. You never know what kind of practical jokes or you know, wardrobe mishaps or whatever might oh, have happened. It, it all happens, I'm, I'm sure. Well, but, like, like like someone could have been celebrating their whatever and things could have happened like you were telling me about before. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't, don't wiggle in front of the camera in shorts. Yeah. If anyone knows what I'm talking about in there, it's tied in with a football song that was released yeah. for the Qatar World Cup. That's, that's all I'll say. But anyway, <laughs> back to this. It, it was a pretty an eventful draft really that there was the first trade in CPL draft history which was just quite bizarre but I'm, I I haven't asked anyone I know you and I talk about this was the, does this trade have anything to do the tie-in with the it's, it says future considerations so the, is this the future considerations yeah maybe well, it's future considerations can we play at your stadium in the Champions Cup no I'm sorry <laughs> but no, but like, wasn't a part of the, the Mickey can't have. No, it doesn't uh, seem to be. No, doesn't seem to be. Okay, no, does not seem to be at all. Totally separate, because we thought it was going to be that. Yeah. But there, there are two potential VFC players that they they drafted in the first round, picked second overall, nineteen-year-old UBC Thunderbirds rookie midfielder forward Luke Norman, Whitecaps Academy alumni. He's been with the Whitecaps since twenty seventeen in the U14s all the way up to this summer where he played in the championship-winning League One BC side. He did train with Vancouver FC in the pre-season, so they got a bit of a look at him there and they kept an eye on him in the summer and in the college season with UBC. He's a guy I've seen a lot of. Actually, both the draft picks are guys I've seen a lot of over the last couple of years. I, this is a great pick. I love Luke Norman. He has the potential... When I spoke to Sebastian Joukowsky, who set the all-time single-season scoring record for UBC and has had a stellar standout season 
for in Canada Western for UBC, he spoke about how important Luke Norman was to him getting those goals. Mm. So he's a scorer, he's a creator, he got goals, he got assists this year, and he he's really impressed me with the Whitecaps in League One. Really impressed with UBC, a great addition. And selfishly, I want him just to come and then go back to UBC for the the next season that's coming up. But he certainly has the potential to be one of those guys that decides not to go back to college and sticks with the team. If I'm honest, I'm just excited that you're excited. That gives me hope. Yeah. Yeah, that he'll be a player who could make uh, a contribution. My hope was the two guys that VFC were going to pick were going to be Luke Norman and Brennan first. But Brennan first did not go at all. And it's baffling me as to how whether maybe Vancouver's had a word with him said, look, we'd like to bring you in to WFC2 or whatever. He is another great talent, Whitecaps alumni-wise as well. I'll, I'll be honest, the second round pick surprised me a little bit. But it makes sense. But I thought there was maybe other players that would get picked ahead of Thomas Powell. He's another midfielder. He's another guy I've seen a lot of. He's 22 so a little bit older. A little older, yeah. Trinity Western Spartans captain, also Unity FC player. So they've got that tie-in. So the club's obviously watched a lot of him this year as well. I've seen him play for a couple of years as well with his brother Francis and VMSL. Does he play wide in midfield too? He can play wide. He can play a little bit more in the middle. He's a, he's a good winger. He is a great set-piece taker. He's got one hell mm. of a foot on him. Check out some of my Coquitlam Metro Ford videos, VFC fans, because there's a lot of Thomas Powell goals in there. I haven't, I haven't, the last I haven't couple yet, of years. I haven't yet talked to Mike Sheeran about him, but if he was Mike Sheeran's captain, then yes, that that, that says something. Like character-wise, great addition. Did you see the little video they made? Oh no! They had Waterman at training or whatever. At, at ah, they break the news to him, but they were like doing a thing, and like Waterman's like talking to him. He's like. And I'm also here to tell you that you've been selected in the U Sports Yes. And he was kind of like, wait, what? He was kind of like, he was kind of Oh, that's like, superb. See, yeah. this is another advantage of doing it early. You can get things like that set up before it gets yeah. announced. So yeah. I, I, I genuinely don't mind them doing that because it, it comes across as a lot more professional than sometimes the MLS one comes across, which is a little bit of a shit show at times. But it's two interesting additions. Two guys that I know, so I'm happy for that because this is what I keep saying. I want local guys that I know that I can cheer on. So we've got two potential ones now here. The way it works, they have the rights now for two years. So it's not like in the past where Gabriel Batar gets picked three times and bounces about before he sticks. So it's like Eric Lajeunesse, picked by Pacific last year. He's going to be going back to Pacific. Uh, We've got an interview to come with him in in a future show that I did as well, just chatting about that and how he's grown in his time this year with UBC. So, yeah, see how they do in pre-season. I'm very excited. And I, Luke Norman in particular, I can't wait to see what he does at this next level. Again, your excitement gives me hope. Last little bit of CPL thing just to quickly chat about. And it's not a little thing. Well, no, it's a a big thing, (laughs) but I'm just trying to wrap the show up. York United, Martin Nash extended, but the big news is they've got new owners and they're mm-hmm. Mexican, so it's the second 
foreign ownership group now in the CPL. This could be a turning point to the league because you would imagine they'll be pushing for some changes. Yeah, I think it's... Improvements. It's, oh, well, yeah, supposedly they uh, have been re-engaging with the possibility of um, redeveloping the Woodbine Racetrack into yeah. a proper football stadium, which is huge. Um, so that's one piece that's quite quite significant, quite important. Um, and, yeah, just to have owners there that, that seem like they have some football Right, there are some football people there, which I think is important. And I mean, the foreign part of it, I think, in one sense, for me personally, is not ideal. Although I see, I'm not totally against foreign owners being involved in CPL. Um, I, I, I think it's one. It's nice that this is not an Edmonton, uh, and that they were able to find someone, and it looks like this someone will be able to contribute to the league in the short and long term. Um. But they have a number of uphill challenges. I'm, I'm uh, super excited for Martin Nash because uh, I, I appreciate him uh, like more than two percent. And um, pressure certainly on him. Pressure's on, but I mean, he, he made he made the play. I know it's a five or eight or whatever, but he made yeah. the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. So he, uh, yeah. I so I think, yeah. Well, it goes well, back to what we say. But they, they've seen progress. Yes, it will be interesting to see what what having an actual um, having actual owners will be able to to do for them this season too. Because I think they were held back a little bit last year, not as bad as Edmonton was, obviously. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, yeah, what this enables them to do in terms of squad building. A, a lot to to watch for. We'll have a lot more CPL chat in next year's shows. One thing just to throw out there: genuinely curious what people's reaction is to this. Now, obviously, our shows are getting longer and longer. It has been put to me as, like, why don't you do shorter shows? I genuinely could put out a two- to three-hour show every day because there's just so much football to talk about that we want to talk about. So I've been trying to weigh up, do we want to have what we've got just now, which is an everything to everyone, and we'll talk Whitecaps, we'll talk MLS, we'll talk CPL, we'll talk Vancouver FC, which does make the shows long. Or would you rather we bring out MLS-specific episodes, CPL-specific episodes, national team-specific episodes? The downside of that, from my point of view, is it doesn't give a lot of bedding time for the episodes. So sometimes you lose a lot of listeners because they're... They're like, oh, there's another new episode. Oh, I won't. I'll skip this one. I'll listen to the next one. But then I don't know if people just want to listen to the MLS stuff more, and the CPL ones would be lower anyway. If that came out as the latest episode, would they see that there had been one about MLS a few days before? So let us know your thoughts. If you're happy with how we're going, we're happy to continue that. I've got a few exciting ideas for next year on this podcast feed to bring out some other kind of non-AFTN soccer show things on it. Yes, finally, it's my AFTN dart show that we're bringing out. No, um, I got a few things. We'll talk about that in the New Year's show. That is it for this show, aside from this episode's wavelength. And Zach had said something about Vancouver FC that fits very nicely with this. 
whenever you start a new team or whenever you've got a team, your dream is that it captures the minds, the imagination, the hearts of the supporters. That's something I've loved about TSS. It just kind of caught that lightning in a bottle moment and you've seen the growth of it and what that club means to so many people. And I've loved to see that. I hope Vancouver FC does that for that section of the fan base here as well. And there is crossovers. You've got the Venn diagram that I love to talk about Venn diagrams of all the three teams there and League One teams and stuff as well in, in amongst all that. But football, it's it's not just about the football. It's everything else that goes with it. And it's whether it's seeing your friends, it's the atmosphere, it's the chats, it's the just whatever you want it to be that makes you love football. So bringing you a song now from June last year from a band we've played before in the show, a Brighton band called the White Hawk Isolators. We actually played them on last year's Christmas special because I had a a Christmas uh, EP out. They've got a lot of stuff out. You can check it out, White Hawk Isolators on Bandcamp. So this is a song that was released in June last year and it's called Not About the Football. It's not about the thrill of getting ready for the game It's not about the people who seem to know my name It's not about the smiles and laughter all around It's not about the drinks you can take around the ground It's not about the chant that starts inside the stand It's not about the players who come to shake your hand It's not about the theatre that we witness every week It's not about the football world could go to other grounds but it wouldn't be the same the football drama happens everywhere you go there's something different here there's something special here i can't explain it but i know it's not about the chips ten bangers on the side it's not about the pitch and its infamous incline It's not about the bar, the cheapest in the town It's not about the din, our unique wall of sound It's not about community, nor causes we support It's not about the words we read in the reports It's not about inclusion, the plastic bottle kit It's not any of these things, well, maybe just a bit
football. The Whitehawk isolators there, not about the football. Whitehawk, incidentally, they're an Ismian Premier League side sitting 13th in the Ismian Premier just now after getting promoted last year from just the outskirts of the, the Brighton area. It's a suburb of Brighton. Not about the football. Partly about that when you go to watch a team, like when you go to watch a team like East Fife and the team's crap, you're like, well, it's not about the football. It's about all these other things as well. But really, it is about the football. And it's just, football can mean so much to so many different people. And it's just great what folk get out of it. We love that you love us chatting about football enough to listen to our shows every week. Mm -hmm. And I I genuinely mean that from the heart. It means a lot to us. Because we would do these shows if no one was listening. Because we'd, we'd just like talking about it. The fact that... I know some of you like some of the music I play, some of you hate the music I play, just little what? things like that. The little feedbacks I get of, oh, people working out in gyms to to songs that we play. Like, oh, I love that. It came on at a good time. And all those little things, it means the world to me. So thank you for being with us since 2013 on these podcasts. We hopefully have a lot more to come. Not this episode, though. That is it. Any final thoughts from you, Zach, before we wrap this one up? Yeah, I just wanted to. So this is I want to bring something. It's a story from this week, and it goes back to there's a Whitecaps tie-in to it. Um, do you remember at the beginning of the MLS playoffs, there was a bit of uproar on Whitecaps social media when they saw a post from Bayern Munich wishing LAFC all the best in their playoff run. Oh yes, yes. Right. So that is because, and, and we talked about this, I think at the time, mm-hmm. Bayern Munich and LAFC have a, a partnership. Yes. Well, did you see the story from their partnership this week? No. So they, together, the clubs have formed a thing called Red and Gold Football. And Red and Gold Football this week became the the majority shareholders in Racing de Montevideo SAD, a first division team in Uruguay. Whoa. So it's a different kind of um, working Multi together. Multi-ownership. Develop players. And a different, a very different take on multi, yeah, multi club ownership. Uh, now it's uh, red and gold football. There's a website you can go if you want to read more about it. I won't read all of this article, but it's important that uh, the one important thing for me from this is that uh, in taking over the ownership of this club, they're not changing anything. Like they're not changing the name, they're not changing the club colors or badge or anything or whatever. They want to work with. They want. To, they want the. Uh, they want to work with the, the, the club as it is and grow it and develop players and all that kind of stuff. Um, but anyways, that's the, that's the kind of relationship that exists between LAFC and Bayern Munich. It's uh, So that's why you'll see them probably even more so wishing each other well and things on social media is because they have an actual partnership, not just, you know, having transferred each other players or whatever. Uh, and you'll note if, Michael, if you do read any of the articles, you know, just a fun, fun thing for you is, um, because he is the co-president and general manager, you'll see quotes from your good old buddy Sicknote in there as well. John, Johnny Thornton. I have a lot of time for John Thornton. Yeah. I'm, I'll just finish with a, a fun story that I'm pretty sure you won't have been following what's been going on in the, the Cymru Welsh Premier League. I'm I, I, I am right not. in assuming that, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, Pontypridd United... Um, have had a, a points deduction 
Ooh. that has sent them to the bottom of the the league. Seven points from safety, so they're, they're facing relegation to Kimru North or South, depending on where Pontypri is. I'm not 100% sure in Wales. Um, so, yeah, they, they got a six-point deduction, taking them from 13 points down to seven. They were second bottom, now they're, they are bottom. But that isn't really the only punishment that they got. This was for fielding ineligible players last season and this season. Mm. They had some points suspended so that if they reoffend again this year or next year, those points will be added on. Do you know what their total points deduction tallied in at? Um, it's a record points deduction. 42. 141. I was close. I was 135 only... points are suspended. <laughs> but if they if they breach it once more, they'll be deducted 135 points. That's crazy. I thought Juventus... I don't is... think they'd survive that. I thought Juventus' thing was bad. It's like, what's the point of that? And You're making a point, but it's like, it's just ridiculous. But anyway, it's got me interested now in watching how they do for the rest of the season. Yeah, I can imagine. Imagine if they go on a run, avoid relegation, but then it finds out they've been an ineligible player and then they get the 135 whopped off. Uh, anyway, that is it for the show. Thank you, as always, for listening. We're going to have an extra podcast out this week as well, talking about the Canadian Men and Women's Player of the Year yeah. Awards. Yeah, check and that out. And then it's going to be our Christmas special next weekend as well. One interview already lined up for that we might have a second one if if the stars align and hopefully they do for for next week as well as some fun christmas star- stuff is it the stars and the flights stars and probably the flights yeah and we've got christmas fun we'll play some games we'll see what else we can throw in the mix as well and maybe not just be the two of us when we get a, another a, a, a thruple we'll be in a thruple maybe next episode we'll, we'll see how that goes but until then anyway good. thanks for <laughs> listening Supples are always good take care just morning everyone we just love football bye everybody going to your first match is an experience you never forget the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Ev.